Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Welcome to something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Bruce Pritchard. Well, you know. That's not a rib. She pooed it. There's no box of gimmicks. Rumor and innuendo. I don't deal in rumor and innuendo. Was he there? I was there. I don't give a shit. I ain't scared of shit. I ain't scared of shit. Fuck him. You, Bruce. Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard in his new house. Bruce, what's going on, man? How are you? Uh, new house, new teeth, new just everything, and, and what's what's old is new again, or what's new is old again. Something like that. You know what I'm getting at. I do know what you're getting at, and uh, we sound a little different today. You're in a new environment and uh we'll get the uh, sound dialed in in the next couple of weeks make it sound like what you guys are used to but today it sounds like you're in one of those great big fancy wooden offices with hardwood floors and wooden uh, walls and wooden ceilings I and mean, god damn you can't hide money can you bruce well you could sure as fuck uh not hide it in here i wouldn't hide it there's nothing to hide it, it is it is wood it is cavernous it is uh windows all around and and all that good stuff all of the above and i don't have any rugs in here yet so i've got nothing to absorb well, this is my melancholy voice you know what i'm good with it but you should turn that frown upside down because uh the rumor in innuendo is a famous wrestling dentist helped you get your new teeth this week right all brand new, baby. All screwed in. Here, here's. You, 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 do you like going to the dentist at all? No. Who likes going to the dentist? No, nobody does. And I was getting my teeth put in, and they, they're, you know, the uh, implants or whatever. And so they take the the things out that are in there, and then they screw in a, an abutment or an, I don't know what something. They screw this thing into your head, and. She lied to me. She says, okay, I'm going to screw this. You won't feel this. This won't hurt. But at the end, it's just going to be a little baby pinch. Well, she fucking lied. Because it was a lot more than a little baby pinch. And I let out a... um, A gasp. Okay. And she says to me, she she goes, Mr. Pritchard, we have patience here. I said, well, not for fucking long if you do that to them. Jesus. So, you know, it, it was, it was a little painful, but it's done. I've got teeth in my mouth. It's a good thing. Well, we're excited that you're here, but I, I do have some bad news. Are, are you ready for more bad news? Oh God, just heap it on me. I, I, I don't, I don't think your day is going to get better because from here we have to watch Halloween Havoc 1998. You know, 
it got here and I queued it up and I have not watched it. I have not watched it. I don't even know what the card is. I have no clue, but I looked at the time (laughs) and the things that I said at the dentist are nothing compared to what went through my mind of what I was going to call you when we actually connected today. Three hours and 15 minutes worth of Halloween Havoc 1998. Fire up your WWE Network and get to October 25th, 1998. That's right. Today is the 21-year anniversary of, uh, I don't know, one of the most talked about pay-per-views of the year, but maybe not for all the right reasons. This is going to be fun. I'm hoping that I can get you a case of the red ass like JR had last week. This could be a good show. Uh, do you want to give it? No, I'm too happy, man. I'm too, I'm too Mr. Mellow right now to, to have that possibly happen. Oh, you're on. Are you on the, the Percocet express right now? Are you feeling no pain? Oh, no. Today? no, I'm just, I'm just in a great mood. Okay. Well, I would be too. If my office was giant and wooden and cavernous. Give everybody a countdown and we'll do a watch along style Halloween havoc, 1998 on the WWE network. We would encourage you to throw on your closed captioning, press mute. And when Bruce says play press play with us, man, and we'll get back down memory lane and let Bruce see a WCW pay-per-view from 21 years ago. He never saw. All right. So I'm going to say three, two, one play. I've got it zeroed out on my thing. When I say play, you hit play. All right. Everybody ready. Connie, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. Three, two, one, play. Uh oh. How about the uh the the black and the white? Oh, there he is. There's your boy. What's the purple stuff? That's the ultimate warrior, brother. Yes, oh, this is the rematch is. from WrestleMania six. You know, it's funny because that really is sort of like the tale of two matches, and you're about to laugh out loud, but I'll tell you this. But Tony Schiavone to this day still thinks that Hulk Hogan and the ultimate warrior at WrestleMania six are criminally underrated. He would even call it one of his favorite matches he ever saw. I, yeah, nothing wrong with that. I think that that was an excellent match and it definitely did an awful lot to get both guys over. And it was, uh, the defining moment in ultimate warriors career. And today, of course, we're going to get the rematch and we're also going to get the, uh, the match that a lot of fans have sort of fantasy booked with, um, and this is an interesting idea, I guess sting versus Bret Hart, but we've also got Rick Steiner and Scott Steiner, and we've got Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, and we've got diamond Dallas page and Goldberg for the world title. So this is as loaded of a card as you could get for WCW in 1998. Would you agree? I guess if you say so, uh, where, where are they right now? Because it, they're at the Las Vegas, Nevada at the MGM grand, which was, uh, their go-to for Halloween havoc, 96, 97, 98. What do you think of Halloween havoc? In the <laughs> there's a great pumpkin. Look, Charlie Brown, there's a great pumpkin. Well, I know, I know that's, uh, oh, how about that? A little smoke out of the nose. Are you going to try to set that up in your front lawn next week? I, on the way home, there was this exact same thing in somebody's front lawn on my way back here. So it's, uh, wait, was it, was holy Uckfay? Was it Eric Bischoff's front lawn? Cause he may still have that out in front of the corporate apartment there. It could be. And there we go. What an announced crew. This is one of the all time greats, Bobby, the brain Heenan, Tony Schiavone. What do you think of Tony's, uh, or of course, Mike's and I there too. And, 
Uh, the, no Ty Jones here, as Taz would say. And it looks like Bobby Heenan is actually, or actually maybe Taz ripped off Bobby Heenan's look with the black and orange there and that type of look. Yeah, Bobby didn't rip off anybody. If anybody was ripping off here, uh, I'm giving it to Bobby first. Chat me up about uh, the way you think Tony's uh, dressed. I have given Tony shit about the way he dressed for these pay-per-views for years. Well, he obviously hasn't got his jacket tailored yet because it's it's still like coming down around his his hands down there, all nice and tight. Tanae's got hair. That's that's pretty damn cool. I almost didn't recognize him. That's a young spry Mike Tanae, by God. And I guarantee you, Tony didn't have a manicure here either. Talk to me about um, Mike Tanae here in 2019. It feels like what's old is new again, but for whatever reason, Tanae is still keeping his distance from wrestling. Do you think he'll ever put his toe back in the water of professional wrestling, or is that all rearview mirror for him at this point? <laughs> I'm one. I'm not one to say never. So you never say never. And Mike Tanae was a gifted journalist, and I would actually put Mike in that journalist category but mike was one of those guys that did his homework enjoyed what he did loved the business and you never know where you might see tonight again you know what do you think about the uh the nitro girls you and i haven't spent a ton of time talking about them there goes sean's wife strutting around um did you guys ever consider bringing back this concept i mean i know you started with uh what'd you call them the raw girls or what was the nickname you used well, we had the, we had the raw girls, we had the oinkettes, we had the, uh, the we had the ECW, we had the ECW girls for a while that were dancing and stuff in between shows. So it was we kind of run the gamut there. Obviously, times change, you know, and I don't think you guys will be doing anything like this now. But at the same time, there's still cheerleaders. You know, you can still be a Laker girl or a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader. Do you think there's still maybe an opportunity or is it, would that be considered cliche at this point in WWE? You know, I God, I don't know. I, I, you know, me, I'm not really up on my, my PC culture, so to speak, but obviously uh, at the time, the nitro girls were a big hit. Yeah. I'd rather, I'd rather watch this than some of the matches. Well, I mean, I, I haven't even seen one and don't know what they are, but hey. What do you think uh, Mean Gene's saying right now? Here we are at Halloween Havoc in Las Vegas. I've got a martini on ice, shaking not stirred. But right now, we've got coming your way. Whoever the hell is going to be coming out here right now, come on down. Don't know who the hell it is. Cause I can't see, I can't hear Conrad. You told me to turn the sound down. That's Rick Steiner, baby. Ah, Rick Steiner, baby. There he is. Beware of dog. That's one double tough son of a bitch right there. What do you, uh, I mean, you worked with Rick for a little while. Did you run across him any in Texas before you got to the WWF or was it only your time in the WWF that y'all shared or maybe even TNA? Cause he was there for a, a cup of coffee. Uh, Rob wasn't there when I was in TNA, but I did know Rob when he first broke into the business and he had come in to mid South sports, whether we were, we were UWF at the time and worked with Eddie Gilbert and sting when sting had just broken into the business as well. So I got Rob when he, you know, when he first came in, it was as uh, Rob Rexsteiner. And I think we kept him as Rob for a while. And then later on, just 
went to Rick Steiner. Um, but Bill Watts loved the shooters. Bill Watts loved those real amateur wrestlers. And so Rob kind of endeared himself to him and he was one double tough son of a bitch. What interaction have you had with uh, buff Bagwell over the years? I met buff obviously when he came up to work with us and I have seen buff at a couple of appearances through the years. And other than that, haven't spent a whole lot of time with buff Bagwell. Why do you think he, uh, he ever got another crack at the WWE? I think over the years he has theorized that, uh, he was essentially blackballed by Jim Ross or somebody, uh, in the front office and he never got another opportunity. Obviously, you know, what, what happened at, uh, with Shane Helms sort of was what it was. And I think, uh, Jr. has said that his mom called in sick for him or something. I mean, there's lots of rumor and innuendo around buff Bagwell, but it does feel like usually in wrestling, the company lets bygones be bygones. And if once upon a time you were a star, you get another opportunity. Bagwell was a feature player here for WCW for a long time, but for whatever reason, never got that second look from WWE. Why would you think that is? I couldn't really tell you because he definitely had the look and he wasn't a bad worker at all. And knowing him personally, I couldn't tell you whether he was a good guy or a bad guy one way or another. He was always really nice to me, but there are some guys that have a reputation that precedes them. And buff had a reputation of, of being difficult to work with. Never witnessed it firsthand. And buff was one of those guys that, you know, was, synonymous with WCW and Nitro at the time. So it was, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. I don't know how much buff even tried to come back. So maybe he did, but I just wasn't involved with it. From your perspective, you know, obviously the, the, the WWF pay-per-view, the, the granddaddy of them all, the big show, the big dance is WrestleMania. I mean, just your opinion, what was WCW's, uh, equivalent? I mean, obviously nothing compares to WrestleMania. I'm not suggesting that, but what, what, what would have been their sort of, uh, tent pole event annually? Uh, what would the, would the Starcast? Is that right? No, that's my thing. Starcast. Oh, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I wasn't them, uh, Starcade. Is that right? Well, I think for Jim Crockett promotions, it was definitely Starcade. But I think in time they started to make it Halloween havoc and some wrestling fans have debated that, but Eric Bischoff oh, would say, what really? Yeah. Eric Bischoff and Tony Schiavone both say it was Halloween havoc. And you look at this card and that's kind of hard to argue. I mean, you know, at, at Halloween havoc 96, it was, it was the bigger show probably in, in my opinion. And the same would have been said about 97, except that was sting and Hulk Hogan. So maybe that beat it. But below that, I think the havoc 97 card was probably the bigger show. And I don't think it's really even debatable here. that Halloween havoc 98 was a bigger show than Starcade 98 Starcade 98. I know you don't remember all that was uh, headlined with Kevin Nash and bill Goldberg. And that's famously when the streak ended and boy, look who we've got here. Y2J before that was a thing rocking his Monday night Jericho instead of Monday night nitro shirt. This is the version of Chris Jericho that first got you guys attention. I would assume, is that fair to say? I think that would be fair to say. I mean, Chris was, Chris was a hell of a talent and I always go back to whatever the hell they were in Smoky mountain wrestling, the young lions with Lance storm 
And Jericho was that hot, young, fiery baby face that was going to replace Ricky Morton in the 1990s. And here Chris was making making waves, and actually you got to hear some of his mic skills, and you got that smart-assness of him coming through. And Chris, I think for the first time in his career at this point, you know, has really become a player that people were talking about. Sometimes it really is just a matter of, sort of finding yourself, uh, because it does feel like for a long time when he first came over, you know, he was still trying to figure it out, but man, when he starts firing here on all cylinders as a, as a bad guy, this is good stuff. This is going to be a good match too. They're going to go seven minutes and 49 seconds. It's a three-star match. I should mention that, um, the show is, is sold out several weeks in advance, 10,663 fans. This is not a huge arena. Pretty good gate for 1998, 328,000 and change on the way here. Nitro lost though. The go home edition on Monday night did a 4.36 raw does a 5.01. And we know that the tide has turned. The 83 week streak is over once Vince McMahon fought Steve Austin in the main event back in April. Here we are six months later. It was back and forth for a little bit, but it's starting to feel like the WWF is pulling away. And, uh, speaking of a way here goes right so far, it's been a hell of a match. I mean, we've seen a lot of action here in the first, what is this? 30 minutes. Oh my God. It's only been 11 minutes. Sorry. Oh, in fairness, a lot of Monday night shows start with a 20 minute promo. So we got about nine more minutes before we're caught up. Yeah. But this is not a Monday night show. This is one people paid money for. This is also the show. And I know you may not remember this pay-per-view in particular, but you'll remember the story I'm about to tell. This is the show where somebody somewhere forgot to tell somebody, Hey, we're going long. So the damn thing goes off the air before, as soon as the main event begins. So they had to issue tons of refunds because apparently not all the cable systems and satellite trucks were notified that they, they had planned to go long. Um, so they, you know, you see the, the gaga, as they say at the beginning of this show, and you can't help but wonder. Boy, if they just would have trimmed some of that out, they're in good shape. They don't need any extra time. Well, who was responsible for that? Well, that depends. You know, everybody's got a different story. And, um, I think once upon a time, Eric Bischoff tried to pin that on Mike Weber. Mike Weber, of course, denies that and said it was someone else. And whoever told me exactly who it was, but the name escapes me, but it, it very much becomes a who's on first type situation. Lots of refunds. It's going to cost them well into the seven figures. Uh, not an ideal situation to say the least. Well, it's not an ideal situation here is Chris Jericho whips the Raven with his leather jacket. Those buttons hurt too, by the way, let's talk about Raven. Raven is a guy who, uh, you know, had a great amount of success in, in ECW and then, you know, had a fair amount of success here in WCW getting a couple of different title reigns and. I mean, he was doing well, even in the ratings, but he, he ultimately is not happy here. So when Eric Bischoff gives one of his famous, if you're not happy, you can leave speeches. Raven is the sole guy who takes him up on it. And he winds up in ECW. It comes back as a surprise in, in late August, 1999 and joins Tommy dreamer on the last night. The Dudleys are in town and they become, you know, as, as mortal enemies. Now they're tag champions. And of course the concession I'm sure was you can go anywhere except the WWF. When you first thought, Hey, we're going to be able to get our hands on the Raven character. 
Was that intriguing or interesting to you? Did you think Vince got it? Why don't you think Vince was uh, able to do more with the Raven character in the WWE? I don't, I'm not sure that a lot of people did get the Raven character at all along the way beyond when Raven first debuted at ECW. I thought that those were some of the best promos and one of the best introductions of a new character that they'd ever done. And it was intriguing because they here. They had taken Johnny Polo. They had taken Johnny Flamingo or Scotty Flamingo and created this really dark, disturbing character that you believed. And I thought that Scotty pulled that off tremendously it was perfect for that ECW audience. They they had this dark ter- character to get behind and to hate. It was actually somebody that they could hate and, and loathe a little bit. And it was us against the world. Well, that's what the Raven character was all about. It was him against the world. It was what, you know, what the hell is this, you know, what, what is in this life for me? You know, it was a dark, dark character. But then as you got into it, I think they went a little too dark on some of the things that they tried to do and people lost touch with what, what the Raven character was supposed to be. Oh my gosh. Jericho just ate it right there on the guardrail. Let's talk about, uh, sponsorships here for a minute, because this show famously was sponsored 96 and 97 by slim Jim. And they had a pretty creative piece where they wrapped the ring posts to look like slim Jims, which I thought was pretty creative. A generation prior, they had wrapped the ring posts with uh, something for ruse, which at the time was an interesting shoe concept that I think occasionally had pockets. Talk to me a little bit about <laughs> tennis shoes with pockets. Yeah. I like, I don't know how that became a thing, but they're still doing it. Uh, this past summer, Nike released, um, flip flops that had fanny packs on them. I mean, it was like a little zipper gimmick on the front. It looked just like a fanny pack, but it was on top of your foot. And I thought, boy, somewhere Bruce Pritchard is missing these and doesn't even know he needs them. That's half my wardrobe in the summer. Well, it's all your flip flop Jones in the summer for sure. Yes. Actually yeah. in the Socks winter too, but maybe not since the winter is now in Connecticut, you'll be traipsing through snow, which is a little different than friends would. Bro. I'm in fuzzy slippers and warm ups sitting back here right now. Well, just lay out, lay all of your warm ups from your fatter days on the floor and you don't need a rug that'll absorb the sound for next week. Ooh, that's a good idea. I mean, like I would only need about two of them. I'll send you some of mine. You might get it done in one. If you cut it down the middle. <laughs> That's fucked up, man. Why? Well, if I can't make a joke about me, who can? Hey, let's talk about sponsorships though. I never really remember the WWF ever wrapping the ring posts. Was that ever considered? Was that ever pitched for a sponsorship as far as you know? No. And as a matter of fact, one of the things that we have always stayed away from back in the day was not, you know, here they've got Snickers on the mat and that was not for sale. It was sacred ground to do anything uh, around the ring, on the ring, or anything of that nature. It just wasn't something that that we were interested in. And I'll never forget, sometime uh, in the the early 90s, maybe mid-90s, when the technology, like when you watch the World Series. Right. And you see the background and those, all those ads change from night to night because that time is being sold and they can change that electronically and digitally with this technology. And we were watching 
they had done taken the Olympics and everything in the Olympics broadcast they were showing us, everything was branded. And you had these subliminal messages all across. Oh, there's Steven Tyler with tits. Um, but uh, she's a very nice lady, Linda Rufa. But that was how someone described her one time. She's positively just uh, gorgeous and really nice. But anyway, I digress. We, we never did the sponsorships like that and didn't want to do that because it was it's distracting. And, and even having the logo on the ring is a little distracting. I mean, I know this sounds silly, so forgive me. But when you guys were, were sort of hurting for certain, and, and you're taking water coolers out of the office, just whatever you can to save money. And, you know, you and JJ and a lot of the quote unquote wrestling people like Pat Patterson are taking 50% or 40%, whatever it was, pay cuts. Nobody said, God damn it. Let's just NASCAR the canvas. No, we talked about it often and, and it was brought up often, but it wasn't something that, that we were really interested in doing at the time. And, and probably during that time, there weren't a lot of offers at that point. But when you're looking at the overall and here Snickers, Snickers got a great deal on this because we're looking at it today. Yeah. I mean, that really is something that, uh, maybe long-term ad buys aren't considered because you look at how many people not only saw it that night, but saw it in you know, clips that they showed on TV right after all the magazine stills that they would see. But in addition to that, who would have ever predicted that we would be watching sort of video on demand over the internet like this 20 some odd years later, and they're still getting bang for their buck. Right. And it's just like our podcast. When people advertise on our podcast, you know, the first million people that listen to it in the first week, well, that's, that's one thing. And then the people that keep on going back and listening to it, they get those ads over and over and over again. Yeah. It's kind of fun because occasionally I'll get a tweet like, Hey, on your Mr. Perfect uh, episode, what was the mattress <laughs> company? And it's like, bro, that was 2016. <laughs> I don't remember. You're going to have to listen to that one again, but something you won't forget is our friends at Blue Chew. Because, man, they got a hard-on for advertising on our show. And it's because they care about your hard-on. And if you uh, you like talking about sex and you want to remember the good old days, well, man, we got something for you. It's BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. And they're bringing you the world's first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as both Viagra and Cialis. So you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full or empty stomach. And since they're chewable, they can work faster than a pill, even up to twice as fast. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform like Bruce. This is for any guy who wants easy. He wants extra. I go to blue chair. I got to use the promo code Russell. And you know what I get when I do that, Conrad? A real hard dick. Yes. And I also get my first shipment absolutely positively free. All you gotta do is pay $5 shipping and handling. And so using the promo code Russell, that is the key. And you will be jumping up like Chris Jericho was just now on his victory because your penis will be huge and erect. Yes. And it will show up. Uh, this shipment will show up in a discreet package. No one will know that you, uh, wanted to pop a vein on your gimmick there. Give your gimmick the hot tag. You wanted to get your dick on the gas. Nobody will know. Because the physician you're going to deal with isn't in person. You get to skip the in-person doctor visit. You deal with a physician online. No awkward conversation at the pharmacy. Shows up very discreetly. And then time to chew it and do it. Bluechew.com. Use that promo code Russell. Try it for free right now. There you go. 
There's a real dick. If I ever saw one, Chris Jericho, what an asshole he is. And he's your winner. He probably knows about blue chew. Absolutely. Just a real jerk being mean to everybody these days. And, uh, coming up next, I should mention again, as, as we saw Chris Jericho retain the WCW TV title, that's a three-star match. And next we've got a real barn burner. It's going to be wrath and Ming. Uh, the storyline here that I wanted to mention about Raven is that he's going to go on a losing streak and his mother is going to come out at some point and say, he's been lying about having a, uh, a bad childhood. They try to add a lot of layers to this character. Is that maybe one too many layers? I think that may be a lot too many layers. <laughs> there they are. Oh my goodness. Eric Bischoff back when he had dark hair for real. That's all. That's like short haired John Davidson. Look, it is. And there's your boy Hulk Hogan. You know, I know that you're, you're sort of, uh, biased, but I think Hulk Hogan is a bad guy was equally as, as good as, as Hulk Hogan as a good guy. And I know that he captured the imagination of pop culture in the eighties, but he is responsible for sort of lighting the fuse that brought in the wrestling resurgence for its hottest period. Is he not? No doubt about it. And I would say that Hulk was not single-handedly, but without a doubt, he was the one that turned that corner. It's pretty crazy when you think about it too. And I know that Hulk Hogan is not always a popular figure to, to discuss and put over and be complimentary of in 2019. Cause there's a lot of folks who still have a sour taste in their mouth, but I grew up a little Hulkamaniac and sorry, that was, that was my dude. When I was a kid without Hulk Hogan, I wouldn't be a wrestling fan. And I like a lot of re- wrestling fans sort of got tired of the red and yellow routine. And man, when he switched to this black and white and became a bad guy, he brought me back in all over again. It's, it's remarkable that. You know, he's, he's what got me back into wrestling and he's what got me into wrestling to begin with. Just probably the, one of the most special performers in the history of wrestling. I know you and I don't often talk about Mount Rushmore, not from a personal standpoint, but from a Mount Rushmore of wrestling, as far as importance, no matter how, how, who else is on those other three heads, Hulk Hogan's on one of them guaranteed. Is it not? He's in the center and, and probably the the most successful. He's probably the most recognizable wrestler still to this day. You've told a story before that I don't know that we've told in a long time about how, when you first came to the company, they were doing marathon television tapings back in 1987 that would last for hours and hours and hours to the point where the, the, the crowd was just worn out. I mean, well beyond three or four hours and everyone's exhausted and ready to go home. But you guys are taping weeks of television, but there was, they could all, you could always count on one thing. What would that be? The Hulkster baby. You're going to stay all night long to see the Hulkster come out because at the end of the night, Hulk must pose. It's amazing to me that, uh, oh my gosh, he's whipping Horace Hogan there as well. He should. Did Horace Hogan never get a sniff with you guys? Yeah, he came through a couple times and, and tried out and work here and there, do some different stuff. So, why was it always a miss? 
I look, uh, just because they were related didn't mean that he had that it factor and Horace just wasn't full of personality and never really connected with the crowd. He is the uh, nephew of uh, Hulk Hogan. I think his dad's name is Alan and that's Terry's brother. And it's pretty crazy how it, how it all sort of interweaves and somehow, uh, Mike awesome is in there, uh, as a cousin as well. So pretty talented wrestling family, but what a legacy Hulk Hogan is going to leave behind. And he's still on TV. Now he's got a big pay-per-view with you guys coming up here in about a week or so. It's just unbelievable to think that he's still, he's still going strong, man. That's cause he's a Hulkster by God. Did Eric Bischoff have the easiest job in 1998? Just walk out there and be a human mic stand. <laughs> well, then he would open his mouth and get heat. Well, he still does that, doesn't he? Well, I've, that's what they say. Look at the guns. And, he, you know, but see, here's the thing, man. Even you're talking about being the red and yellow little Hulkster, even when he went black and white, it was cool. It was cool to hate Hulk. And then it became cool to be in the NWO and be in that black and white brigade. So even when it was that baby face, yellow and red, they still wanted to be cheering or booing or just being a part of whatever Hulk was a part of. Again, imagine for a minute, if you cut out the, uh, the Jericho Gaga at the top and you cut out that interview, there's probably all the extra time that you would need right there. <laughs> yeah, probably so. And say, I, well, I don't, are we going to do a spoiler if we say what the last match is? No, it's, it's DDP and Goldberg. Oh, and it got cut off before the finish. As soon as the bell rang for them to start the match, a lot of, a lot of customers just went immediately to black. And we're just Holy furious because they had sat through three hours of, of Ming and wrath. And, and they really wanted to see Goldberg who at that point was not only undefeated, but the world champ. And he's taken on DDP who arguably had the hottest finish in the business with the diamond cutter. I don't even know that it was arguable. Well, okay. With the stone cold stunner. Yeah, it was arguable. I uh, did definitely arguable. The NWO though, you know, what's great about these shirts as you see, they're scanning the crowd and just one NWO shirt after another. One of the hottest selling t-shirts of all time. And I think a lot of one of the questions we get the most on my WCW podcast with Tony Schiavone and Eric Bischoff is why did they do the NWO Wolfpack? Why did they go to the black and red? And the answer was just so fucking simple to me to sell more t-shirts. Makes sense. I mean, you know, not, not only that you had. You had the black and white, you had the red, and then you had the Latino world order. So you had a lot of different, well, you did. Sure. No, I'm not arguing. It's, it's just, you know, it's another, another item that you've got to get. So yeah, it definitely makes sense to me. Two interesting, uh, performers here. Um, wrath, the former Adam bomb. And, uh, we know that wrath is, uh, going to be a tag team called chronic at one point as well. Of course, that's Brian Clark and Brian Adams, uh, Brian Clark still with us today. We've lost Brian Adams, but with, with his size and look again, I, I know it feels like I'm asking the same question over and over, but how in the world did Vince not see more money in Brian Clark or did, 
did Vince just not think that he had it? He tried it and for whatever reason, just wasn't sold that he had that intangible it. Well, we, we did try it. And for whatever reason, it didn't connect with the audience. I think in the beginning it did the football, um, gimmicks, the, the atom bombs, people like that. And Brian definitely has a look. He's, he's big, he's a good looking bastard. And I don't think he was terrible in the ring, but for whatever reason, there was just something missing. And it was along the lines, I'd say the same thing for Matt Morgan. You know, you look at Matt and go, my God, he's, he's got all the tools in the book. And there was just something missing that didn't connect to that next level with the audience. So sometimes you just can't put your finger on it. You can wait, 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 wait. What happened to his Adam bomb tattoo? Did he actually he's, have, got, he's got no tattoos. Did he actually have an atom bomb tattoo? Yes. He had an atom bomb tattoo that took up like half of his arm. It was originally, I think a Panther or something. Wait, you're not and, kidding. He had an atom bomb tattoo. Like for real. For real, it's it was atom bomb, and it, it actually said atom bomb, and it was like a big atom bomb going off. Well, he, he doesn't have a tattoo. He got it removed. Wouldn't you? Holy shit! Well, I mean, it was a big tattoo, man. That's. I'm just saying, like, all you had to do was throw away a goddamn white suit, and you did. <laughs> like this motherfucker. <laughs> <had> to... <laughs> well. Uh not sure I would have gotten a white suit tattooed on me either, but that's, that's a whole other story. Now Taz would have enhanced his, if he had just gotten the extra Z and spelled his name correctly. Tell everybody, uh, how many tattoos you have? Exactly zero. By the way, uh, our referee here, Scott Dickinson, true or false real life sling blade. Oh my God. Mm. <laughs> I like mashed taters. I like fried taters. I like mustard. My fried taters. You know, Sling Blade was uh, Billy Bob Thornton's buddy, your great friend, John Paul Shellnut. That's it. So, you know, versus. By the way, we've got to Shout get out him. JP Shellnut. We've got to get like video footage of him on our social because we've talked about him enough. Like, I don't think people realize he's like the real life embodiment of Dangdo Boomhauer, man from king of the hill it's just it's unbelievable i mean you need like subtitles it's like don Vito from bam margera back in the day so wrath here um i'm just fascinated by your your assertion that it just didn't connect with the audience how can you differentiate the performer can't connect with the audience or our character can't connect with the audience okay Brian Clark, Adam Baum, Wrath, every other character he's ever been. Did any of them connect? Fair enough. So were they all just bad characters or was it the human being that couldn't make the character or connect? There, there's got to be there's got to be that innate whatever it is, that intangible that can transcend and make the connection with the audience. There are people that have had, you know, what they or other people would consider terrible gimmicks in someone's eyes and other people's eyes are great gimmicks and they've made them work. And then there's people with great gimmicks that just couldn't make it work. And it's, 
<laughs> trying to get that pump handle slam in here by God. Well, that's his finish. Boy, and that, and that's a lot of man going up there. Yeah. Let's talk about that. By the way, that is the finish. Um, Brian Clark wrath picks up the win three quarters of a star. There was an interesting spot that we sort of talked through. I don't know that you saw it. Maybe they'll show it on a highlight when he's on the apron and does the flip body block thing off the apron to the floor. I mean, that's a, that's a big dude to be doing that move. Yeah, it is. And, and Hey, Brian was a stout son of a bitch, man. He was strong as hell, but it just, uh, who the hell is that? That's Billy Kidman in the middle. And that's, uh, Lee Marshall, uh, Lee Brian. Marshall. That's Chad Diamati on the left. Okay, well, you might as well have just said Bo Cephas, and I would have gone. Okay, yeah, sure. You know who Lee Marshall is? I know. I know. I, lo- I know Lee Marshall. I don't know who the other guy is. Uh, I know I, Billy. Good God! Well, I didn't know if you recognized him because he doesn't exactly look like that anymore. He looks exactly like that. He looks since uh, yeah, he looks exactly like that now. Yeah, he's sitting in the back wearing a headset. Same thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that, there's no difference. By the way, scale, scale of one to 10, how much does JBL hate him? (laughs) He is a Billy Kidman, biggest overachiever in the history of the world. Are you saying he didn't deserve to get that win over Hulk Hogan? Maybe he didn't deserve his push as cruiserweight champion. What are you, what in the world are you talking about? He married Tori Wilson. Yeah. that, that, That guy's a salesman. Let's just call it like this. He can close. Oh my God. Yeah. He just couldn't get her to come back for another product. Um, anyway, what do you think of the, uh, the pumpkin cam here with disco inferno strutting that ass to the ring? Conrad, I've got to tell you that, uh, the last hour and a half watching this here show is <laughs> half of my life that I'm never going to get back. Oh my God. You motherfuckers did Fandango. I won't let you sit here and disparage the good goddamn name of Disco Inferno. Oh, Jesus Christ. Look at him. He's great. Seriously. I'm not disparaging Disco. I think that, dude, okay. Now take a look at this. Now, a lot of people would say that's a crappy gimmick. He embraced it and made it work. And he's got the people dancing. They're into it. You know why they're into it? Because he's into it. So real question again, I keep asking this same thing over and over. Why doesn't he get a shot with WWE? Everybody agrees that this was a talented dude that he embraced this role, that he made it better than anybody expected. And a lot of people have said that he could have been a great mouthpiece or I mean, he he knew how to get heat. He knew how to cut a promo. His work was fine, but he doesn't get a sniff with WWE. Is it just some guys had, had a stink on them? Did, did Vince. Or someone in creative think, well, goddamn, that's, that's the WCW honky tonk, man. We don't need that. Not, not now in 2002. I, I couldn't really tell you because, and actually Glenn and I have talked about it since, and I don't ever remember ever discussing disco one way or the other. And going back during this time, when you look at gimmicks and you look at different people. There's somebody that I think could have fit the mold, maybe not in the, the late nineties, but at the same time, it was a commitment to the gimmick and he had an arrogant, nice cocky attitude that, you know, why the fuck not? But I, you know, I don't know what, what either 
during this time, there weren't people trying to come in. And, and that's why didn't they get a sniff? Why didn't they come and do this shit? Well, maybe they weren't interested in coming in. Who knows? It's he's working here, hopefully making a damn good living. Yeah, he is making a good living here and he had some interesting stuff in uh, TNA and he's still got a real life gig behind the scenes and from best I can tell he's loving life. He's also doing a podcast with uh, our, our mutual friend Conan every single week. You should check out keeping it 100 if you haven't already. And Hoovy the juice. What do you think of him trying to do his version of uh, the rock calling himself the juice? Honestly, I thought it was stupid and I didn't, you know, I, I remember I've only seen it a couple of times and it was to me, it was turn off just for me, for, for whatever reason. I I didn't get it. Didn't like, what the fuck was that? It was like, go away heat for you. Yeah, it was. It really was. I, I just, for whatever reason that, that really just turned me off. And also I thought that Hooventude under the mask, I thought he was, um, yes, he was unique. And sometimes some people don't like masks, you know, let's call it like it is. Eric Bischoff felt like he couldn't really sell with your face. You were expressionless. He wanted to see the cell on your face. And uh, there's a lot of old school wrestling folks who believe that Tony Schiavone included. But I, I'm with you. I think I like Tuvi with the mask better. Yeah, I, I mean, sometimes a mask gives a guy personality, and sometimes you can have a mystique behind it. But I always love whenever we would have, <laughs> you know, you take the mask off of somebody, and they take the mask off, and people are like, ah, ah, it's a fart in church because they don't know who the hell it is, unless it's someone that's famous or had been in the territory before. And, and it just, that part of it always made me laugh because you're taking a mask off somebody. I don't know who he is because if he's, if his whole career was underneath a mask, okay, you get to see his face and he looks just like the guy next door. Who the hell cares? Is it fair to say that you, uh, you're not making many masked wrestlers in the new WWE 2k 20 game? Well, you know, you can make as many masked wrestlers as you would like in the 2k 20 game by God. It's finally here. WWE 2k 20 is here and you can relive the groundbreaking journey of the four horsewomen and the women's evolution from their start in NXT to 2019. When the women headline WrestleMania for the first time in history, all in the 2k showcase and for the first time ever in WWE 2k, you can play as both female and male characters in my career, unlock WWE legends, original characters, and unique environments. As you make your way from the Indies to the WWE hall of fame, my career is fully voiced featuring performances by over 40 WWE superstars, NXT superstars, and legends making this the best my career experience yet. WWE 2K20 also shines a spotlight on Roman Reigns. In 2K Towers, Roman's reign, players will follow the big dog through his early days in WWE, including his time as a member of The Shield, to his rivalries with Brock Lesnar, John Cena, The Undertaker, and more. 
Overall, players will compete in 16 matches and live out key chapters in Reigns' impressive mark on WWE history, all while claiming championships and igniting the WWE universe along the way. The WWE 2K roster is loaded with more than 180 of your favorite WWE superstars, legends, Hall of Famers, NXT superstars, and never seen characters you just have to see to believe. It's available now for Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and PC. And Bruce, I just got my copy this week. I know you got your copy this week. I'm looking forward to creating a, uh, a Bruce Pritchard and a Eric Bischoff and a Tony Schiavone and a Jim Ross and Arn Anderson's probably in there. And just having you guys beat the shit out of each other. Well, I'm going to create you beat the shit out of you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I got my, I, I actually have my 2k 20 right here. My, from my PS4, um, my son Kane is looking forward to breaking the seal on it. I haven't done that yet. So I'm going to wait for him to get here over the holidays and by God, I'm going to whip your ass. Well, I, I didn't say I was going to beat you up. I said all my other co-hosts were going to fight. And why would you be worried? Aren't you a self-proclaimed two-time karate black belt hall of famer? No, I'm a three-time black belt hall of famer. I'm not self-proclaimed. It's just a simple fact. So why are you not? I mean, you don't think you can take JR? You don't think you can whip? I can take karate? anybody. I can take everybody. Well, then why are you worried? Why are you wanting to beat me up? What did I do? I'm principal. You, what did you do? What did you do? We're three and a half hours into this pay-per-view and I haven't seen. That's what you did. Conrad. Wait, you just put over disco inferno. You love Ming in real life. You're a big fan of Chris Jericho. You haven't hated. Uh, well, let's us. go have dinner with Ming. Well, he would eat you. If he wanted to, he could. Yeah. Not a lot I could do about it. Even being an 18 time black belt hall of famer. Wait a minute. A minute ago, it was three. Well, I've gotten, I've gotten that much older in this time watching this pay-per-view. I'm sure I've been inducted at least 15 more times. Let's talk about some behind the scenes goings on here in the, uh, the company. What is Charles Robinson doing? Skipping backwards. Charles Robinson, by the way. Oh, wait, have you been watching the righteous gemstones on HBO? It's over now, but did you watch this season? I don't even know what you just said. When we hang up, I need you to go into the living room and tell your lovely bride, find the DVR remote and record the entire season of the righteous gemstones on HBO. It is your new favorite television show. I am sure of it. You're welcome in advance. You're going to learn, you're going to learn about the miracle, the gift that is uncle baby, Billy <laughs> and the shuffle back step. You're going to love it. I'm just telling you. And you're going to try uh, n- next time you pop a blue chew, you're going to try a new line at the house. Who wants to suck an old man's cock? You're welcome. What the hell is wrong with you? This is what our lives have become. Yeah, it is. Listen, I'm trying to be entertaining. It's a goddamn disco inferno match. Cut me a break. Well, Hoobie's there. Oh, well, okay. I understand now. Before the refunds, this did a 0.78 buy rate, $3.48 million gross for WCW. But the ratings are telling you that, well, the WWE is pulling away. Um, in men, 18 to 34, Nitro is doing a 4.3. And men, 25 to 54, they're doing a 3.4. And in men, 55 plus nitro is doing a 2.9. This is so far through the calendar year, 1998. 
raw by comparison is doing a 3.8, a 2.7 and a 1.9. So you guys are, are solidly losing, but as we get closer to this pay-per-view, whew, that changes quite a bit. And the tide starts to turn a little bit where it looks like you guys are gaining momentum. And then on the go home show, you're winning again. This is a, an interesting time because your business is hotter than ever, but so is WCW's WCW's year over year growth from 95 to 96 was phenomenal. 96 to 97, more of the same, but even 97 to 98, their average gate in October of 97 is 79,000. Their average gate in October of 98 is 159 grand. They're up hundred percent. They're up uh, in attendance from 3944 to 7559. That's 91%. They're selling out 42% of their house shows. It is a home run, but people are still so fixated on the ratings that you guys are going to suggest and actually have Vince McMahon, I believe, write letters claiming that this situation where the pay-per-view goes long and it's cut off. The decision will be made that since a lot of our fans miss the main event, we should just air it on nitro. And Vince is going to suggest to the cable systems that WCW does this intentionally, intentionally cost themselves millions of dollars because they want to make sure they turn the tides on the ratings that you guys have seemingly just taken the reins for. Do you remember that? No. How'd that work out for him? Well, it was you saying or you guys saying that they did it on purpose. Uh, Eric Bischoff says that's fucking ridiculous. Well, how, how did the ratings turn out for them? Well, in the end, you, you guys won. Well, of course. Now that night in, in particular, yeah, Nitro won. But I mean, after that, it was, it was more of the same. The September 21st Raw was neck and neck, for instance. 4.0 to Nitro's 3.9. So you're barely winning, but you start to pull away a little bit. Uh, the next week though, it was 4.569 to nitros 4.546. I mean, that's razor thin the next week, 4.81 to nitros 4.7. It's just so close. And then this go home show, man, you guys pull away 5.01 to 4.36. And there he is. There's your winner. I love the outfit too. Yeah, that I'm looks a little like, dizzy looking at it, but I love it. It looks like pajamas that Stephanie would wear to bed. No, I would wear something like that. You wouldn't wear long pants to bed. You you wear shorts year round. This is true. By the way, that match that we just uh, covered there uh, actually got a pretty decent uh, rating in the Observer. Are you shocked by that? Oh, stop it! You didn't like that match. It was pretty good. No, I really didn't. What didn't you like about it? I don't know, but I like the Dallas cowgirls right here. You know what? I think if I show you enough of this old shit, we might see uh, some SmackDown gals or something. Ooh, they got chairs. <laughs> they got chairs. I wasn't sure what you fucking said. Chairs. Okay. Yeah. Chairs. Can you huh? do that? Oh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What? I didn't say anything. Oh my God. What? I don't know. All right. So the match got three stars. So it's pretty good. Scott Steiner, Scott Steiner is going to do an interview coming up next. I think, and I think he's going to, uh, bring out your great pal, the giant. Is in 
The Big Show. The Big Show. Before you, but guys. he wasn't the Big Show yet. No, he's still the Medium Show. Okay. What do you think of uh, the transformation of Scott Steiner that you knew with the uh, long uh, mullet, skullet, whatever you want to call it, and the singlet, and now totally new look here, short bleach blonde hair, very superstar Billy Grammish. Yeah, I thought that it was a hell of a reinvention for Scott because when I first saw him, I saw him the TV before he debuted and he had his, his haircut and bleach blonde and had no idea who the hell it was. You hadn't seen any of this stuff. Well, I saw him in a hotel. I saw him at the holiday inn in Pittsburgh. Boy, that, that night has been coming up an awful lot recently for some reason, but I saw Scott for the first time there and I was like, who the hell is that big son of a bitch? And it was a lot's. Well, Scott, Scott, who was Scott Steiner. So from what he had been, the tag team with his brother and coming out, reinventing himself, uh, gave him another 10 years of his career easily. It's a whole brand new guy. What's he saying right now? Is he doing a math lesson? I wish, but no, I, mean, I guess sort of what he's doing is he's suggesting that they do a tag match. Uh, he's going to say that, um, you know, they should defend the tag titles against Rick and Bagwell. And I think JJ Dillon's going to come out and give a ruling on that. And then we'll be treated uh, to a match that I know you'll enjoy. No, it sounds like I can't wait. I don't know why you're so negative about this show. It's one of the best WC, one of the biggest WCW shows in history. Conrad, I believe that the term, I can't wait for you to shit on this was mentioned to me when this was suggested. Yes, that's true. I'm, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate or whatever. Is that what you're playing? Well, I know that the, there is one match on here that is going to make you laugh out loud. Oh, please tell. Well, it's Hulk Hogan and the ultimate warrior. Oh my God. There's James J. What's your best JJ Dillon story? Hmm. Well, I, yeah, I think that my favorite James J. Dillon story is when JJ was a manager in Houston and JJ was a good manager. JJ could get heat but JJ liked to fancy himself and liked to let everybody know that he could also work because he started out as, as a wrestler and that was his dream. He always wanted to be a wrestler and for whatever reason he wasn't, couldn't get over as a wrestler. And I think Gary Hart or someone made him a manager and that's where JJ really saw his success. But he came to Houston and he was a manager of Mr. Sakurada and um, oh, Mr. Hito. And he also managed Abdullah the Butcher. He managed uh, Archie Goldie, the Mongolian Stomper. And JJ went out and had a match one time with Gino Hernandez. And it was a it was actually a pretty damn good match. JJ came back to the dressing room feeling really good about himself because he felt that, hey, man, goddamn, we went out there and, and tore it up, had a hell of a match. And Paul Bosch came back and said, what the hell are you doing? 
He says, what? I thought it was a great match. And he says, it was. But a manager shouldn't have a great match. You're a damn heel manager. You should work like a heel manager. Instead of going out and working like a worker, you need to go out and take an ass whooping. You need to not be able to do the things that your charges do. And to me, that was one of the, the greatest lessons in the business to be able to, to share with people. So you have, you have to work like your character. You have to work like the person that you're portraying, the character that you're portraying on television. And if you go out and you do something else that isn't true to that, then people see through it. And that's what he was telling JJ. And, and I think that that was something that stuck with JJ forever throughout his career. I'm fit. Finley. I'm going to kick your fucking head off. By the way, uh, for whatever reason, Dave Meltzer settled into calling Dave Finley, Bart Simpson here. I say for whatever reason, but you can tell from his haircut and here comes your favorite. We know that Fed Finley is going to have a long WWF career, WWE career. This fella, not so much. Das Wonderkin, Alex Wright. I love Das Wonderkin. What the hell was the name? What name did he, did he? Oh my God. Really? You don't love that? Come on. He's a heel, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh, well then good. They got something right then. But he was a baby face for a long time. Now a guy who comes out dancing like that in his underwear, he's a heel. But look at the girls. The women are dancing. Well, people like to dance, Bruce. Do they? Pendingo was a bad guy too. Do you not remember any of this? No, I don't. I, there's certain parts of my life I'd like to forget. I think. Never mind. Now, so is is Fit a babyface here? No, Fit's a heel. So they're tag team partners? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know who's a heel and who's not. Here's the deal. Davy Boy Smith was supposed to be Alex Wright's opponent. But this was changed the day of, and I'll let you guess why, but I mean, don't actually guess, but either way, uh, fit Finley in here, long time, historical, badass, been whipping ass all through history. And this time it's Alex Wright's turn and Alex Wright. Another one of those guys who we saw him have a pretty successful WCW career for what it was, but then nothing else here stateside, but I think he's in Europe doing his thing over there right now. I thought, you know, that, that Alex was one of those guys that had he been able to communicate a little bit better and it was a language barrier that probably was his downfall, if anything else, but man, it, it was just walking out. He had to eat with me. <laughs> well, that's a good thing, right? I mean, you need that. It is. It would just be nice to capitalize on it and, and be able to make some money out of it instead of just pissing people off and say, eh, next. If there was uh, one talent on this card that you guys never got a hold of, but you wish you could, in hindsight, who do you think that would have been? Hmm. I know you haven't seen the whole thing, but I'll just run through the names. Jericho, Raven, Wrath, Ming. Disco, Hooventude, Alex Wright, Fit Finley, Perry Saturn, Lodi, uh, Billy Kidman, Rick Steiner, Buff Bagwell, The Giant, Scott Steiner, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Bret Hart, Sting, Hogan, Warrior, Goldberg, DDP. 
Well, people that we didn't that we didn't have of of everybody there that I think we could have done something with would probably be Alex Wright. I think so too. You know, the rest of them either had 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 their run there and and or would have the run there, but Alex Wright was one that we never actually got to try and do something with. Well, you know what? I take that back. You go Alex Wright, and I'll go Disco Inferno. Okay, that's fair enough. But Alex had, you know, international appeal as well and could have done some big things overseas, which is the same reason that WCW wanted him at the time. You know, Fit Finley is is a hell of a worker, and I think that the son of a bitch actually got better as he got older. Isn't that crazy, too? But, I I mean, I agree with you, but it's one of those deals where I feel like that may be exclusive to, like, him and Dustin Rhodes. Where somehow as they got older, they got better. I know you yeah. probably haven't seen a lot of Dustin stuff lately, but Dustin's last matches in WWE, I thought were—I mean, he was working as good as he ever was. No doubt. And Fit Finley's just a mean son of a bitch in real life, and, <laughs> and in the ring. So it, it was, you know, going back and watching his stuff when he used to work for Otto Vons and watching his dad. There's a sadistic art to what he did, and the matches that regal had with fit finley going back to the the what the hell was the deal they had it was a hardcore match in the parking lot it was a parking lot brawl oh yeah yeah it was like the uh, uh the junkyard invitational yeah where they didn't gimmick anything and right. they just went out and beat the living shit out of each other and regal would always talk about that and made me watch it and i was like holy shit you know, the business is supposed to be a work and they just went out and beat the living crap out of each other. Yeah. They're, uh, they were looking for ideas and, and they found one, but I can't say it was necessarily the best one. We talked a little bit earlier about how this show is going to go off the air. Meltzer would recap this, but when Soon? Do you realize that you make us sit through three hours of shit every single Monday and you've only managed to make it an hour here and you're already tapping? Well, we've already done four hours of this. This will be the longest show we ever did. Well, don't worry. In a minute, we're going to do a draft. Okay, good. <laughs> God, this is about to pick up. Shit. God damn, I love doing these with you. Okay, good. Now, what appears to be a seven-figure catastrophe will ironically be viewed by people who see pro wrestling as nothing more than a Monday night ratings battle as a brilliant maneuver. It wasn't either brilliant nor a maneuver, but the result of approximately 25% of systems shutting off the Halloween Havoc pay-per-view early and WCW putting the Goldberg DDP title match on free Nitro the next night was that Goldberg and Page broke the all-time cable television record by doing a 7.18 and a 10.2 share, which is 5.3 million homes and approximately 7.78 million viewers. And, uh, that's even bigger than the old Hogan Goldberg title change. Uh, from earlier bigger than Alex Wright's victory there. My God, dance, baby dance. He's doing the same disco dance. See, I'm calling gimmick infringement. Their uh, dances are very similar. You mean in terms of like the, the old, uh, John Travolta gimmick? Yeah. Yeah. It was a little different. That, that match, by the way, got a star and a quarter and there were boring chants. And 
Spencer would say that's too bad because actually everything they did was solid and they worked really well together. Next up though, is a match. I know you're really going to enjoy. Ernest the cat. What do you think the cat's saying here? By the way, that's you on the far right in the background. Far right in the background. Overly Marshall shoulder. The Yeti. Oh my God. You know about the Yeti? Everybody knew about the Yeti. What'd you think? That was three years prior to this Halloween Havoc. What'd you think about the fucking Yeti? Somebody call my mama. Is that what the cat's saying? Uh, yes. You know, cat black belt, black belt hall of famer as well. And I'm a three time black belt hall of famer like me, but he black belt hall of famer too. In real life, Ernest the Cat Miller would beat the shit out of you. In unreal life, he'd beat the shit out of me too. But... <laughs> okay, and then what? Yeah, I'm just well. Then he'd cut a promo and break dance like James Brown. Okay, but then are you going to tell anybody? I mean, is that something you're going to brag about? What that he beat up Bruce Pritchard? Yeah, I don't know. I think I would brag about that. Okay. So what do you think? Is Jericho back out? Oh my God. You motherfucker. What? I just can't believe you referred to Lodi as Chris Jericho. You know, the difference between Lodi and Chris Jericho. I thought that was Lenny Lane. That's Lodi. Oh, Lenny Lane had pigtails. Dude, I seriously don't know who I, 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 I apologize. I don't know who this is. Uh, he was a member of Raven's flock. He would walk around and hold signs like this. That's basically the WCW version of ECW sign guy, Dudley. And, uh, he's in real life. One of Charles Robinson's very best friends. Well, then that makes him a good guy. Yeah. Cause we know that Charles Robinson is legit salt of the earth. Yes, he is. What about this guy? Man, I think that, uh, Perry Saturn was the guy that I wanted, um, you know, back in the day. And I thought that Perry was unique and just could be, I, I, I thought that, man, this was a mega star in the making. Unfortunately, it just never clicked. He, he could do, he could do anything you asked him to do, but the, Going back to that connection with the audience, man, he couldn't cut the promo to then take it to the next level. He, he couldn't really communicate effectively with the audience to be able to, to get over to that next level. But Jesus Christ, man, to watch him go. I thoroughly enjoyed Perry Saturn back in the day. And he was, he was somebody that was on the list of people. So you know, you got to look at him and he asked me a question during the Alex Wright match, but we got Perry and unfortunately didn't work out as well as it could have. Perry has admitted that when he was in WWE, he was gimmicked up out of his fucking mind. So he was not at his best. If you, I mean, if you could have gotten a less injured, less, uh, pain pill reliant Perry Saturn. Do you think the trajectory could have been different? I mean, how much do you attribute that to sort of creating his own ceiling? 
Uh, a lot. And, and that happens to guys sometimes. So maybe if we had gotten him a little bit earlier and, or been able to get him help a lot sooner, it would have been different because he had all the tools. He had a look and there was just something, there was something unstable about Perry that made you want to watch. It was a car crash getting ready to happen. Was was, and, was it his eyes? I'm not saying that to be funny, but it always felt like he had like this, um, his eyes were telling a story. Yes, they were. And, and, he, and it was a, a crazy story because you looked at him and it wasn't, you weren't really sure what this guy was capable of, but he looked like a million bucks and he could do some incredible shit and was smooth doing it. So it was, there was a mystique about Perry Saturn that made you go, Hmm. I believe him. It, believable is the best thing I, I can say when describing Perry. Lodi lives in Texas. God bless Texas. Um, I might be wrong on this, but didn't Perry Saturn go to wrestling school with uh, Triple H? Um, yes. Yeah, he was trained by Walter Kowalski. He and uh, Perry Saturn and Mike Hollow. All those guys, they did go to Walter school. Who is Mike hollow? Mike hollow was one of, uh, Kowalski's students. And Mike was an enhancement guy with us, but Mike was also a trainer. Uh, Chris Nowinski is another one that went to Kowalski school. So Kowalski had, you know, Kowalski was that go-to guy in the Northeast and the Boston area where he produced some great talent. And I, I think China went through there too, didn't she? It was probably later, but I still think it was later. Yes. I think, um, I think Perry was there in like the late eighties and very early nineties. And it was more like early to mid for triple H and definitely mid for, for Joni when she went through, but you don't really hear people talk about, I guess wrestling schools have just fucking changed a lot, but you don't hear people talk about killer Kowalski as being this world renowned trainer. But when you hear. Perry Saturn, Triple H, China. I mean, he's put a lot of big stars, you know, out there on the scene who, who did a lot of big things. What did you hear about Kowalski's training techniques or lack thereof or whatever? Kowalski was old school and Kowalski is one that he instituted fundamentals into the talent at a very young age. And it was repetition and respect for the business and that he made you do it the right way. And you weren't getting out of the school until you knew what the hell you were doing. And Walter was a stickler on that. And Walter was the one for many years in the WWF that all of the enhancement talent had to come through. And you had to basically pass the Walter Kowalski test to be able to work on television. And he had, you had to prove to him that you were safe and that you knew what you were doing and had the fundamentals before he would ever let you get in the ring. And there you go. I need like this match three minutes and 50 seconds, quarter star. Now, originally, by the way, we should mention Eddie Guerrero was supposed to face Perry Saturn, but he wound up having a transportation problem, AKA missed his flight. Uh, Salodi had, uh, uh, I had to fill in here, but this would have been a much better match. You got to assume not to disparage Lodi, but Eddie Guerrero, clearly next level performer. No doubt about it. He's a Guerrero man. I wonder if he knew Pasha Villa. Oh my God. 
All right, so we're back with these assholes. Why well, gotta be assholes? Today's a nice guy and Bobby's the brain. Okay, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> when was the last time you talked to Shivani? Are you guys not allowed to talk anymore? Uh, since I said, Hey Tony, give me a call and he never called me back. Oh, really? He never called at all? Never called at all. Wow. That's hurtful. It is hurtful. I thought y'all were friends. Big guys have feelings. Oh my God. Where would you, uh, where would you rank these guys as uh, announcers? I'd say Bobby Heenan, number one and everybody else. I, you know, everyone Halloween having, please do they rank. I meant this group, not. Oh, oh, okay. Um, I, they had chemistry. I, I thought that they were good, frankly. Let's break. I like today. Here, here's what I liked about today during this time is today spoke when spoken to, and and Mike didn't have to carry the conversation, and, and Mike didn't have to um, do all the heavy lifting. So I think that Mike was a lot better when he was an analyst and could throw the facts in and tie things up, and I think that was Mike's best role. And Bobby used the brain. You know, let's talk a little bit about the, the differences in the roles as the announcers, you know, from a, from a color and a play-by-play and an analyst. I mean, if you, if you had to go back and and look at your favorite duos, what was it about them that made those duos stand out? Not just to you, but to the fans versus never mind. Hey, hang on, hang on now. This feels like we've had a lot of nitro girls so far in this show. And imagine if they just cut out the nitro girls. Uh, <laughs> no, you're, they could have got that last match on. It's, it's pretty remarkable. It, it goes three hours and 22 minutes. Uh, this show does, and it was supposed to be two hours and 50 minutes. Meltzer would say the decision to go past the schedule three hours was a late decision, perhaps as late as the day of the show. WCW had planned to go three hours and 15 minutes and much of the heat has fallen on a company liaison to viewers choice in the cable industry who apparently didn't get the word out of the importance that the show was going to be going longer than initially scheduled. Did you just fart? It sounded like a real sick fart. Ugh. Feel better? No, man. I didn't fart, but I'll tell you. Oh God. Not this. Why? Pasha Villa, man. He got one pistola. Me don't have one pistola. Hey, great. A this goes back. Match. Yeah. We got another disco match. Are you ready? You gotta be ribbing me. Nope. See if they just would have had one disco match. <laughs> instead of two. They just would have had one disco match. <laughs> He's about to challenge Billy Kidman for the cruiserweight title. He had to win two matches ago in order for the right to wrestle here. So he wrestled nine minutes and 39 seconds. And then fit Finley wrestles for five minutes. Perry Saturn wrestles for four. And now Kidman has to wrestle disco for another 11. So they're going to go 10 minutes and 49 seconds. That's right. Two count them two disco Inferno matches here at Halloween havoc, 1998. So I want to know who made that decision that that's a good idea to have, uh, two of these matches and take the risk of running over and not having your main event be on pay-per-view. I'm going to guess that it's Eric Bischoff, by the way, I don't know if you've seen. 
but Bischoff has decided to, uh, to double down and, and he's got t-shirts right now over at, uh, pro wrestling tees.com. And if you want well, to what's t- hang, on, hang on, we'll get there, but at ericbischoff.com right now, it forwards to his pro wrestling tees site. So ericbischoff.com and he put out three shirts this week. I think you get a kick out of. It's a Bischoff moving company. We'll get you there and back again. Are they moving truck? Uh, another one has, uh, looks like a place setting. Uh, it says you could find me in catering and a third one that says 83 days with Eric Bischoff and it's fashioned to look just like the 83 weeks logo. And I thought if anybody could appreciate those shirts this week, it would be you. Yes, I can. God bless my friend. But yes, you can still go to brucepritchard.com and buy t-shirts. I was trying to put it over your friend, but you know, fuck, it's gotta be all about Bruce. Go to, it's always all about Bruce. Damn it. Go to brucepritchard.com. Unbelievably. There's actually a fucking Pancho Villa shirt over there. I know you haven't seen it. Pancho Villa? Yeah. We... Do I know Pancho Villa? I lost your thing one time. You have a pistola. I don't have a pistola. You need to take a shit. I don't have to take a shit. I took a shit. You have a pistola. I don't have a pistola. Did you ever see that episode of happy days where Fonzie was uh water skiing and he literally jumped over a shark? God, that was awesome. Yeah. Our, our, our show just did that. Okay. Just, just now. It was pretty cool, huh? <laughs> yeah. Seven and a half hours into this and there's another disco inferno match. Are we still <laughs> on the same day? Yeah, this was, this was, uh, Dude, let's be clear. A week from now, you guys are going to run a 17 hour event. Uh, I hope so. Yes. It will be, it will be filled with riveting action. And it'll be faster than this. Oh my goodness sakes. 10 minutes and 49 seconds. By the way, you're also going to see a little bit of the Macarena in this match. It's going to get two and a quarter stars. Uh, Macarena. Tell me your favorite Macarena story. My favorite Macarena story <laughs> is when it first came out and vacationing in Cancun and asking why they were singing about macaronis. We ought to mention that we've got lots of new fun shirts at bridgepritchard.com, including one, two, one plus two plus three equals six. Use promo code wrestle lunch with who? Pasho Villa. We've also got, I'm stiped. Uh, another use promo code wrestle the fresh uh, paint of coat shirt, which is long overdue, but we've got, and I think you'll like this. There's nothing on the, it's a red shirt and there's nothing on the front of it. It's just a plain red shirt, but on the back, there are five little slits cut into the shirt and there's yellow underneath the red. We've also got that in yellow with red underneath. It's phenomenal. It's a ripped back shirt, but my favorite shirt and it ain't even close is a sad version uh, of the hand baby. It looks like the hamburger helper baby, but he's, he's, he's upset. And it says over him, he's a hell of a hand. Of course, we're talking about Mark Henry and May Young's hand baby. And that's all available for you right now at brucepritchard.com. And don't forget when you pick up a shirt at brucepritchard.com, you get a shirt. A damn nice shirt too. <laughs> yeah. Lots of different styles you can take as well. Has someone not figured out that they should have given them the cue by now? No, they got to go 11 minutes, buddy. 
Go home is what he's telling him. Let's go home now, Billy. Now, the next thing after this is, is going to be the best thing on the show, which I think you'll like. It's, it's a Conan segment. It's not a match. And they put that on and they didn't have their main event. No. Then we've got oh. Rick Steiner and buff Bagwell taking on Scott Steiner and the giant. And then we've got Rick Steiner wrestling Scott Steiner. And then we've got Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. And then we've got Bret Hart and sting. And then, <laughs> and then we've got Hogan. and Warrior. I hate you. Yeah, I know <laughs> you hate you right now. I do because I'll be honest. This is a little clockwork orange. I mean, I feel like I've got you laid back. I've got those eyelids peeled. We're rolling, baby. You do, and not my regular office chair either that's nice and comfy. It's this this uh, old Sid Katz who left me his office chair in this office that uh, is an 80-year-old 80, 80 uh, supermarket magnet, and it's just not as comfortable as wait, 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 my wait, chair wait. in the other room. Did you just give the name of the former owner of your home? Should I not have done that? No, I think it's awesome. But you said he was like this big supermarket, supermarket magnet. And, and you're and and you're a podcaster, and you live in his old house now. Yes. Wow. Thanks, must be sitting in his old chair, at his old desk, in his old house. You gonna you gonna go do a little uh, supermarket sweep later? Maybe I will. Maybe I will. Do you want to tell everybody about your new house while Disco has this rear chin lock on? You know what, Conrad? I kind of like this old house, and you know I didn't really care for my last house. But your last house was badass. It had that badass pool that we all saw on on Vice last year, and you had that your really cool detached office. I mean, I didn't even know it, but you had like a giant sign on the exterior for something to wrestle with buying your cartoon heads. That was awesome. That's gone now. Yeah. What do you think they're gonna do in that in that old office now? The new owners. In Friendswood, Texas. I bet they won't make a two-time two-time podcast of the year. Do you think? No, sir. They will not. They will not. I think they're going to uh, make it into a room for their mother-in-law. Lame. I know, right? They, if they only knew. The shit they only we have knew talked about. The shit that was produced out of that room. Seriously, it was on the WWE network. It was on national TV. I mean, I, I saw our, um, our historic downloads the other day, dude, I gotta send that to you. Like that report was fucking insane. Cause we, I guess behind the scenes, we can tell everybody we're we're moving to Westwood one. So some of you are listening to this for the first time on Westwood one. Uh, but if you haven't, you will next week. And, uh, yeah, that download report, dude, we need like a ticker out in front of your new house. It's like those old McDonald's signs where it says, you know, 10 billion served or whatever. Cause son, we're pushing some numbers. It's kind of scary, isn't it? Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm wondering like, uh, if I need to tone it back a little bit, like, holy shit, I'm saying a lot of crazy stuff on here for this many people to be listening. Yes, you are. I mean, oh, wait a I guess I don't have <laughs> as much to lose as you do though. Right. I mean. You're, you're, you're in a, in a former supermarket magnet's house. I am. I am. It's a very nice supermarket magnet's house. I've just got my humble house on a modest shit. 
What? It's a modest home. It's a mansion on a mountain. Well, overlooking the city of Huntsville, Alabama. That's not true. It is true. With uh, okay, you've got an infinity pool that overlooks the city. Disco Inferno was underrated, but I, I I never understood wrestling in bell bottoms. That feels like that would be uncomfortable. Would you rather Four wrestle stories? Would a you rather, wing? Would you rather wrestle in bell bottoms or jean shorts? Jean shorts. Um, but combat boots or wrestling rooms, boots? I don't have eighteen rooms. A gym. I've never seen the inside of that, by the way. I saw it when uh, your dad gave me the tour one time. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I, tour takes a couple days to get through the entire. It's sort of like ground. Ha- it's like Halloween Havoc. It takes a couple days. Yes, only Halloween Havoc doesn't have an uh, elevator to the top. It does if you're Goldberg. Oh, okay, cool. Why? Why are you putting my business out here? Why am I what? Putting my business out here. Talking about my elevator. Because I love your house. Dude, I hope, I hope the, to grow up and I hope to grow up one day and have one. One of the first times you visited after you made the fatal mistake of telling me that you hated pickles. Uh, that was mean. <laughs> I love that. That was really mean. I, after, not only that, but I'd had, I'd had massive heart attack. You damn near killed me. And, and then you didn't pick me up. That's when you didn't pick me up at the airport and I had to ride with a stranger to your house using ways to find your house. And then you put pickles all over my room. They were in the elevator. They were under your pillow. They were on the toilet. They were in the shower. They were under the sheets. They were in the refrigerator in your room. They were in the coffee cups. They were everywhere. It was tremendous. And some of them may still be there. Now nah, we got them out of there. I don't know if you got them all. We did a little remodeling. We got him out of there. Yeah. You put the silver wing up there and had his dog shit all over the place. <laughs> Forgot. I told you about that. His dog is never the official dog of something to wrestle. No, with. no, I don't know. I and mean, that fucking dog needs a Sarah McLaughlin theme song. Every time I see it, like when it comes into the room, I just want to hear sad songs because he didn't take care of that animal. The animal's neglected. I'm just going to tell you. And they put the Hannibal Lecter thing on him. Yes. And not only that, he doesn't shit out of his butt. He shits on his butt. Not like on the back end, but on top. How does a dog wind up with shit on the top of his back? How does that even happen? You stupid little bastard. Well, in, in Monterey where they lived before they moved to Alabama. (laughs) So what you're saying is that dog used to be a drug mule and he's got a colostomy bag and I got it. Yes. I, he was, he, he was used to holding it in. Dude. He just mock on his way to a power bomb, but instead got his face planted. That was tremendous. What a great move. Looks like kid been setting up the, uh, shooting star press. Hey, Macarena. man, what a cool move that was, especially for 1998. And there's your winner. Look, it wasn't that bad. Two and a quarter stars coming up next though. Something I think you're going to really enjoy Conan. What a cool segment. This is going to be. Do you think we'll ever see a, uh, a cruiserweight like Billy Kidman again, you know, where he's sort of, uh, cause this is an interesting character. The Billy Kidman character was really a WCW. Not what I thought that was the video. 
he came into WCW Saturday night and started to get a little bit of a, a groundswell of fandom. And then we would see him debut as part of a member of Raven's flock. And then he slowly, but surely went from, you know, sort of scratching himself and things like that to turning and evolving into this. It doesn't feel like we've seen a, a cruiserweight underdog story that that's going to go like this again, because ultimately he, he winds up having a match with Hulk Hogan and getting a win. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty fucking remarkable story for a cruiserweight. Absolutely. And I think that it was one of those childhood dreams and you look at Kidman and he came, I, I believe Billy was trained by Offa. That's right. Yeah. Or yeah. And just, that's a tough way to come up in the business going through the wild Samoan training school. I really hope that Eric Bischoff has that giant inflatable pumpkin. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure it's down the street from me. What? Same thing with same thing with the guy snorting blow in the back. Are you sure that's not Michael Hayes? Well, no, that guy's got more hair than Michael. That's true. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the Halloween havoc name. Are you surprised y'all never adopted that? I mean, you went with great American bash. Eventually you brought back war games for NXT, but Halloween, ha- I mean, Starcade's even back by God. Why not Halloween havoc? Seems like a no brainer. I mean, I'm not saying this to be funny, but I thought it would have been fucking tremendous. If this crown jewel thing that you guys have coming up, if instead Oh, look at the way Vic show is wearing the belt. That's tremendous. If you guys called that show Halloween Havoc, it's happening on Halloween. That would have been awesome. Do you think Vince has any appetite at all for the name Halloween Havoc? It doesn't seem like it. Why is Big Show smoking? Because he can. He's smoking a cigarette going to the ring. Wait till he gets down there. He's going to reach under the ring, pull out a cane, chug a beer, pile drive a woman through a table. It's a different era. No, really. He's smoking a cigarette. Why is he smoking a cigarette? I need to know this. Should have been watching buddy. Well, so this is his character smoking a cigarette, going to the ring. Yes. Oh boy. Uh, hypothetically speaking, do you think Scott Steiner was on any performance enhancement drugs here in October of 98? Just when you take a look at him, just the eye test. Well, it looks like he works out a lot. No, oh, clearly. I don't think we have the same diet. I'm just guessing. I don't know what he was eating, but I'm just abs. Look, abs like those are made in the kitchen, buddy. Well, Megan ain't made me shit. Well, no abs like ours are also made in the kitchen. <laughs> <too>. <laughs> Different ingredients. Just saying. Is he going to fall down? Oh, he did fall down. That's his gimmick. He would do that little dance. I think I'm going to need you to do that on your way to the bedroom tonight after you pop a blue chew. Well, I'll, I'll do that just because I've got a lot. I've got a step, like one step from my office up into the rest of the house. And I forget it every time I walk in here and about break my ass. By the way, when you see those little dogs on Rick Steiner's shoulder, it makes me think of, uh, you know, those are silver, but it makes me think of solid gold. Did you know that up to 80% of the immune system is influenced by the gut? Well, that supporting the immune system through proper diet and digestive health enables pets to better fight environmental allergies. Solid Gold is passionate about gut health because a healthy digestive system positively impacts the immune system and overall wellness of pets. 
Solid Gold was the first holistic pet food company in America, started in 1974 by Sissy McGill. Sissy was a trailblazer and a pioneer who disrupted a male-dominated industry and created a natural pet food before it was cool. Sissy was inspired by European pet food and the fact that European Great Danes lived longer than American counterparts. Her first recipe, Hund and Flocken, has now provided high-quality nutrition and digestive health for over 20 generations of dogs. Solid Gold's nutritional platform is inspired by their founding belief that high-quality food is the best way to impact our pet's mind, body, and spirit. For over 45 years, Solid Gold has revolutionized everything that we know about the pet food category, and they have a recipe for any dog or cat's dietary needs, including whole grain and grain-free options like wet food, supplements like sea meal, and 100% human-grade bone broth for dogs. Solid Gold foods are different because they cleanse the digestive system with whole superfoods, balanced with living probiotics, and fuel with omega-3 and 6 fatty acids supporting gut health and nourishing your pet both inside and out. And right now, Solid Gold is offering our viewers 30% off your first order by visiting solidgoldpet.com slash wrestle. That's solidgoldpet.com slash wrestle, and you'll get 30% off your first order. Remember, that's solidgoldpet.com slash wrestle. And I got to tell you, man, this is something that you are tickled with. I know that Stephanie used to work with animals. She is very, very passionate about that. You guys have a litter of dogs. And this is something that the Pritchard family is all in on. Am I right? Absolutely. The official dog of something to wrestle with Dodger. He is the man and he absolutely loves his bone broth at every single meal and solid gold has the best. And all I got to do is go and open up the door, take out my little packet of solid gold treats. And I get the most well-behaved dogs you will ever see. Because they just want a little bit. So use our promo code Russell and go to solidgoldpet.com slash wrestle and save yourself 30%. Solidgoldpet.com slash wrestle. Seriously, give it a shot. My dogs love it. Yours will too. My mom took advantage of it. She loves her dog. It's her new baby. And uh, every pet I've ever seen loves solid gold and they're better for it. So check it out. Solidgoldpet.com slash wrestle. Unfortunately, uh, we don't have anything we can prescribe to you to make this match any better. I do not like Rick Steiner versus Scott Steiner. I need the, the Steiner brothers to be together. I hate that I agree with Vince McMahon on this, but I don't want to see brothers fight, but it is like the oldest story in the book. And it's real and everybody can relate to it. Now you and your sister fought. Yeah. She doesn't like me and I don't like her. Well, okay. So people can relate to that. How could you not like me? I'm like the most likable guy here. How could you not like CG? Oh, fuck her. <laughs> That's mean. what do you think of, uh, the Steiner brothers? Was it time to break them up? Did it feel like they had just sort of done everything? Did they do it because Scott had upward mobility or I mean, what would you have done if you were running WCW at the time creatively? What would you have done with the Steiners? Keep them together, break them up. I definitely would have broke them up. I thought it was, I think that it was time. It was probably time before they actually did it and might've been a, a better time to do it a little bit earlier, but they finally did do it. And 
again, it's real. People can relate to family feuds and those that, you know, take things to the physical point. They can relate to that, man. I've got my ass whooped by my brother, Tom, more times than I can count. And, um, I can relate to it. What's Tom doing these days? Catch everybody up. We haven't talked about Tom in a little while. Well, Tom is trainees at the Jacobs Pritchard wrestling Academy in Knoxville, Tennessee. And the Jacobs in that Jacob Pritchard is Glenn Jacobs. You might know him as Kane and they have a wrestling school, JPWA Academy and go to jpwaacademy.com to find out all the information. But if you want to be trained by the same guy that trained Kurt Angle, that trained the rock, that trained Vince McMahon, Mark Henry on down the line, touched all of the greats in WWE and all over the world, then Dr. Tom is a place to go and check them out. They're in Knoxville, Tennessee and be trained by the best. Yes, I'm biased folks, but he is the best trainer in the world today. Well, they probably could have used him for this match. We're about to see with Hulk Hogan and the ultimate warrior melts would right. While Halloween havoc will probably be best remembered by its timing problems. The show did feature the rematch of one of the most famous matches in the modern history. Hulk Hogan versus ultimate warrior that headlined WrestleMania six at the sky dome in Toronto, which to this day, the $3.4 million live gate remains an all time North American record. And the total number of pay-per-view guys buys is among the all time largest ever as well, man. That's pretty crazy. When you think about it, a $3.4 million gate back in 1990, it was a match. I think that a lot of people thought they'd never see. And it was Never before in, especially in, in that modern era at the time, there wasn't anybody that could challenge that top spot the way the warrior did. So it was a dream match and the audience had to choose and they, they were looking for another hero, but they didn't want to lose their old hero either. So it was, it was a unique, perfect storm with them at the sky dome in WrestleMania six. Two years prior to this, you guys had tried to bring the ultimate warrior back. There had been years of, of back and forth. And then you bring him back in, in 1996, famously, he squashes triple H, uh, at WrestleMania 12 and it wouldn't be too long. And by late summer, he's a goner, um, I guess by July perhaps. And then fast forward and WCW takes a flyer on him here in 1998. When you first start hearing that. Hey, warriors talking to WCW, are you, I mean, at the time you're embroiled in a huge ratings battle. Are you a little nervous or, or do you know, well, they don't know what they're signing up for. This is going to end fucking poorly. I think that our initial reaction was, thank God it's them and not us. So it was looking at it, the egos involved and everybody that had a say in that at the time from Hulk's, you know, parent creative control and the NWO and you had Nash and Hall and everybody there with their own, you know, power fiefdoms, if you will, uh, Brett just, it, it was, it was a powder keg. So I think there was a feeling that it was going to be difficult for everyone to coexist and there was no real, wrangling of, of those egos and there wasn't that one person solely in charge to, to rein it in. 
so yeah, it was kind of sit back and let's let's watch it implode and watch it explode. Do you remember um, the report that you got about this pay per view? Would this have been one that you had Fink watch? Probably, but I, I just think that the best I can remember was a holy shit. It wasn't, you know, the first time that they met at WrestleMania six, it was, it was truly an iconic moment because you had the up and coming warrior and you had the, the, even at that time, the immortal, the legend Hulk Hogan, and people look forward to that just because they couldn't call it. And now it was a situation of trying to revisit something that had taken place so many years before that, that you want to relive that moment. And I don't know that, um, I'll watch and see. Oh, big show. Uh, that big boy doesn't need to be up there like that. How about this? He just doesn't need to, he can't get his footing. This is, this is brutal. Nearly 500 pounds off the top rope with a missile drop kick kicks his tag team partner, Scott Steiner accidentally all the way across the ring. What a fucking sight that is to see such a big well, motherfucker on the top rope, huh? That's seven feet. I bet you he's 400 pounds here, but at least uh, he's, he's over 400. Yeah, and, and balancing up on the top rope. that That's impressive in and of itself, and that big bastard didn't need to be up on that top rope. And look at this. There's your finish. Bulldog off the top rope. Rick and Buff are now your tag team champions. But most importantly, this means Rick finally gets the match he's been waiting on for a long time. He gets to take on his brother Scott in a no-DQ match. So after we saw two Disco Inferno matches, now we're going to see two Steiner Brother matches. If they just would have had one Steiner. (laughs) (laughs) They should have started with Paige and Goldberg. And then if we didn't see the second Steiner match or the second Disco match, no one would be upset. Did it surprise you? When you saw that, you know, they were bringing in warrior, that they were just going to go right back to warrior Hogan, or is that what you would have done too? I think with the climate and what they had looking at all the creative and what was going on, why not do that? You've got to go ahead and get in and get your money's worth before people are going to see through it or not. They may not want to see it if you wait too long. So with the intrigue and the unknown, I don't think that they really knew what they had in warrior. He had been away from the business for a while. And I just think, let's get it done. Let's get the match that we need to get out of it. And then if there's anything left and there's anything on the other side, then we can investigate that. Then that's the only thing I can imagine. And if they were doing that, then yes, I would have done it the same way in that regard based on past history. Well, that's what they go with. And and a lot of sort of Hogan haters would say, this is just Hogan trying to get his win back. And this is also the same, uh, time. We just talked about this a few weeks ago on our Yokozuna episode. This is the show where Scott Hall was asking him to come interfere in the Kevin Nash, Scott Hall match. That's going to take place coming up. And you got to assume if, if Yokozuna would have actually come in and worked with WCW, it wouldn't have been long. If you believe those theories about Hulk Hogan, 
but there would have been a rematch with Yoko and Hogan, which if you're telling the right story, you know, still could have drawn money and been entertaining, right? Absolutely. Because it, yeah, that, that was the, the last loss for Hulkster and to be able to go in. And when you tell that story, I think that when you look at the, the big picture and how Hulk's looking at it is to make yourself whole and go back around and make the legend even larger than it already was. Nothing wrong with that. Why do you think, you know, some of the, uh, quote unquote, smart fans had such a hard on for Hogan all those years. <sighs> Jealousy. But again, you know, it, it's funny. The, you call them the smart fan. It, it's the vocal minority. A lot of times it's those that are loudest, you know, that's what you hear, but it's not the majority by any stretch of the imagination when the majority is the ones that are supporting the product and coming out and watching it and, and continue to enjoy it. So you, you hear all of those things and say, yeah, but, and I hate, I hate those. I hate, I hate when, but comes after. Yeah, but, um, it means you discount everything that someone just said. So it's, Haters are going to hate nothing you can do about it. Is there a what guy? What the hell was Doug Dillinger beating somebody up? Who's that? That's Bill Clinton. Duh. Oh, okay. Bill Clinton was there. Take a look at the way. So, walking. so wait a minute. So Bill Clinton left our pay-per-view went to theirs. Yes. Good for him. You really don't know who that is. I honestly got have no clue. You can't tell from the way he's moving. Oh my God. What a set there. Oh my God. Oh my God. No, come on, buff. Dude, the way he nailed Charles Robinson in the face with that thing. And Charles went flying. I hope they show a replay of that. That's one of the best sales I've ever seen. He's just limp and account. That's tremendous. But Rick kicks hey, out. Okay. But here's, here's the great part is he's not even the referee and his count isn't official, but he sells when Rick kicks yes. out. Yes. Which was silly, but fine. Oh my. Look at the crowd though. Half of them are on their feet. <laughs> okay. Here we go. One, two, no. Again, he sells. How long is how, Oh my God. Poor Charles Robinson. You know, folks on behalf of myself, I'd <laughs> like to apologize. <laughs> what are you apologizing Ooh, for? Missed. Oh, so here's the deal. If you remember Bagwell was hurt earlier this year with a neck injury, and now they're going to claim another neck injury here for buff Bagwell. Off of dropping him on the top rope. Well, because the idea was Rick Steiner came off the top rope with a top rope bulldog. Bagwell's head slipped out and Bagwell's head hit Rick's back. He suffered a stinger right there. And it was live TV on nitro. They stretched him out. It was a scary moment. And that was earlier this same year, fast forward. And now the same guy who injured him last time 
picked him up, dropped him over the top rope neck first on that same injured space. And by the way, as he's trying to pin Rick Bagwell is his tag partner. So his own tag partner, his own tag team champion, co-partner turned his back on him in the Clinton mask. That bastard. And by the way, I bet you that music's uh, playing right now. You missed it, but as Bagwell was laying on the on the uh, apron there, he was yelling, "Where's Monica?" Because he was dressed like Bill Clinton. Ooh, Virgil, Virgil, come on, come on, Rivers. Let's let's get down to the ring with him. We did the outside of here, and I'm gonna be on outside with my my red leather jacket, looking fine like only I can look. Scotty Hall, gonna just gonna waylay, gonna waylay Kevin Nash, and we're gonna spray paint his ass. Be fucked up like a monkey. What'd you think of the decision to put Hall and Nash against each other? Would you handle it this way? I. I really don't know how the hell they were handling it here, uh, other than breaking them up. And at some point, you know, you gotta, you've got to do that. And you've, it seems like they've got a lot of turns here and a lot of people doing it at the same time, which uh, sometimes it just bees that way. But it's better off to space them out if you can, I would imagine. Kev just looks devastated, though. His <laughs> best friend, his partner, his outsider. They were outside in together. Is Scott Hall one of the best wrestlers to never hold the world title? Yeah, but just because you're all the world title doesn't mean you're a great wrestler. I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying you look at a guy like Kevin Nash, and most people, I think, saw them on sort of equal footing, you know, the duo here, Hall and Nash. and But Nash had title runs in the WWF and WCW. Scott Hall did not. How much of that had to do with height? How much of it had to do with talent? And how much of it had to do with reliability? Well, I think that you look at a guy like Scott Hall. Scott Hall, you needed him to get the champions over. And you needed him to make everybody else look good. And your champion isn't necessarily always the best worker and the best the best talent. But he may be the one that is drawing the most and can create the most interest and has the best connection with the audience. So you need those guys like Hall that are arguably sometimes more valuable. Ooh, there's a Jim Crockett, uh, little epitaph there. What's that thing called? A tombstone. The grave tombstone. By the way, Jim I thought Crock- that was a pizza. Jim Crockett is not dead. And he will in fact be, uh, at Starcast in Baltimore. Oh, I just saw his tombstone there. Havoc of Halloween. Can you believe that? I, I mean, you're no selling me here, but when was the last time you heard of Jim Crockett making a public appearance when he was running his ice cream store? I mean, at a wrestling event. Oh, I haven't. I, I seriously, I mean, I seriously have not heard what Jim was doing since he was running the ice cream store in Dallas. He had a, uh, he had an ice cream store after, you know, Turner bought him out and he stayed in Dallas and had, you know, whatever. I don't know if it was his own stuff or, uh, a chain, but that was the last I had heard of Jim Crockett for a long, long time. So for the first time, I think ever it's a personal appearance from uh, Jim Crockett. He's going to be on stage with a live mic and 
we're going to have a conversation about, uh, Jim Crockett promotions, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and David Crockett will be there. And we've got extensive research from people who are there, people who know, and should be pretty cool. Check it out. If you can't make it to Baltimore at starcastonfight.com or join us in Baltimore at starcast.com S T A R R C A S T.com. And your old pal, Eric Bischoff is going to be there. You think he's got something interesting to say these days? Well, I think so. And I say, go on out and support Eric and help a brother out. Yeah. What about me? Just say, Hey, just say, Hey, starcast.com. You're my brother too. I appreciate that. Oh, well, you know, Ooh, it's a dog pack. It's a mean looking dog on his shirt. Pretty sure that's the wolf, but we'll go with oh. it. Oh. You know what? That probably lives at uh Cassio Kid's wife's house though. You know, she has a wolf, a real life wolf. Big Booty Judy got a wolf? Big Booty Judy has a tarantula, a bearded dragon, a snake. Uh, a wolf and she, she wanted to get something else, whatever it was, some other sort of dangerous animal that I'm like, what the fuck are y'all doing over there? I, I think she's just trying to get whatever she can to kill Cassio in his sleep. I wouldn't want to kill Cassio. That's just wrong. No, I don't want to either, which is why I'm concerned for my friend. I got to get him out of there. I mean, he's living in the dangerous part of the zoo right now. Well, at least he's not training elephants. That's not funny, Bruce. That's Clint from Hershey. Clint from Hershey trains elephants. Doesn't train them. I thought he trained elephants. No, that didn't pause. He worked at the circus. Oh, so he just worked at the circus. He didn't train them. No, he never worked at the circus. He. (laughs) Why did you tell me that then? No, I didn't. I said, if you train them, that implies that you work at the circus and he didn't train them. He just took care of them in their natural habitat and. Sometimes, so they wouldn't get ornery, he'd give them a hand release. That's all. Ah, got it. Got it. I, I understand now. That that explains an awful lot. As, as terrible as this is right now, the fans are way into it, by the way. Meltzer would say, very slow-paced match with a lot of brawling, went way too long, particularly for a show that was already going so long. Both guys initially got out of their uh, foe's big finish, explained because they know each other so well, and he would call this match finish weird and gives it one star as a reminder they broke up back in may so here we are in october it's the big payoff now, is this the first time they're grappling with each other the last time well this is really the first time they've had a big pay-per-view like this and scott hall hasn't even taken off his vest yet by the way lots of people are being very very critical of sort of mocking Scott Hall's drinking, as you saw in the video pack on our way here, he's had a real life struggle with addiction and, uh, it's got him in some trouble and he's been to rehab and it's cost him his family. And, um, yeah, it's a tough situation. He's been arrested a few times in hindsight, Eric Bischoff says he had very few regrets about WCW, but this was certainly one of them. Sort of turning his addiction into a storyline. Yes, but it has a happy ending, and Scott has turned his life around and doing oh, a lot better today. Could not be a nicer, cooler guy. Uh, one of the easiest guys to work with, has a great attitude, knows a ton about wrestling. 
if I'm honest with you, I'm a little surprised he hasn't wound up with you guys down at the performance center full time. It feels like he'd be a natural fit for character development or promos or whatever. Or just teaching people how to throw a right hand. Yeah. I mean, whatever. It just feels like, you know, with, and I'm not asking you to comment, but I think everybody knows that he's one of uh, triple H's better friends and it feels like he'd be there unless there was, unless maybe he didn't want to be, you know, there's something to be said about that. He's probably enjoying life the way it is right now. Aren't we all? Well, you know, but you know what? I, I mean, no, you sit here and you, you take a look at, and you look at Scott Hall standing in the ring and the son of a bitch just looks like a fucking star. He looks like a pro wrestler. If you drew it out on a sketch pad, what a pro wrestler would look like, you would wind up with somebody who looked like Scott Hall. Yeah. And Scott could go, man. And, and you'd go back and look at this shit and it's like, holy fuck, just instrumental in, in all the NWO and everything that they did, but it's holy shit. In the end, you know, he was Razor Ramon at a time when business was down. He was Scott Hall when a time was business was hot. Will he always be Razor to you? Yes. Either that or Starship Enterprise or whatever the hell he was. Oh my God. Did you just. What was that? What was that? Starship Enterprise? That's a fucking different thing. But oh. That's Star Trek. Oh. <laughs> Well, we'll see. He was American starship. He was starship coyote. Well, that's stupid. Would you like Texas Scott, big Scott Hall, Gator Scott Hall, the diamond stud? I did like diamond stud. Well, of course you hired him and called him razor Ramon. No, I wasn't there when he started. Oh yeah. You were on hiatus. I was on hiatus. Had you wound up in WCW and we talked about this before a long time ago on the podcast, but when you got fired for being a dick in 1991, eventually in 1992, there was an opportunity for you to be hired in WCW and there was creative kicked around for you coming in as a manager. Tell everybody that story who liked the idea and who they wanted you to manage. Well, I'd been talking to dusty and the idea was to bring me in to manage the barbarian and cactus jack the idea was to have a little stable of people to go against sting sting was the champion at the time and they were looking to create that heel factory to work against sting for the championship and dusty wanted a new different mouthpiece and wanted to bring me in and and do that so um in the interim the offer came up to go back to wwe and no one would answer my phone calls <laughs> or return any of my calls at WCW as I just wanted to talk to him about it and, and, uh, kind of get him to lay it out, everything out for me and weigh my options, but have as much information as I could. I couldn't get anybody to, to answer my call. This was before cell phones and computers and email. So I sent a federal express to the office uh, sent one to Jim Ross, sent one to Bill Watts, sent one to Dusty. And finally got a phone call about a day later after they had received the, the FedEx. And, um, you know, it didn't, obviously didn't transpire, but in a lot of ways that opened the door for Cactus Jack, who Cactus became the mouthpiece 
for Barbarian. And you got to hear the verbal skills of one Mick Foley. And I think that that was uh, a good choice. And it's also one of those moments, if you look back on the career of Mick Foley and his time in WCW, where he was able to to shine and step forward as a shining star. So that was, uh, maybe it was a good thing for everybody involved. Did you have conversations with anybody besides Dusty? Uh, prior to, no, it was all Dusty. And then it was Jim Ross who called me and goddamn boy, you're really pissed off the cowboy. I said, well, goddamn Jim would have been nice if somebody would have returned my call over the last few days when I've been calling, leaving messages. And, um, I had to make a decision. And after I'd sent the FedEx and I still didn't hear from anybody, I thought, well, you know what? If uh, they're telling me about how I'm going to be this this top guy and mouthpiece for all the top guys, and they have all these big plans for me, but they won't even return my call, maybe it is all bullshit, and I don't. Uh, there, there's nothing there for me, so I made the decision to move on. Do you regret not being on camera more? I mean, because that would have been an opportunity for you to be out in front of the audience and perform again. Not at all. I, I enjoy being behind the camera more. It's fun. I mean, it's fun to perform and it's fun to be out in the spotlight. However, I like, I like behind the scenes much more. I got you. Whip into the ropes. Oh my face into doesn't Scott Hall, the back of Scott Hall, it says too sweet, but it looks like the sweet tart sweet. I just keep looking. I find myself searching for the tart underneath the sweet. Well, anyway, may just be me. Let's talk about, uh, as we're talking about two former WWF guys here, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. We know that two years prior to this, I mean, almost to the day is when you guys debuted the fake razor and fake diesel. Have you ever had conversations with Kevin Nash or Scott Hall about the fake razor, fake diesel business before? I think we did when they first came back in 2002, just kind of talked about it and laughed about it. Not a whole lot to talk about there. And unfortunately, Rick Bogner is no longer with us and, uh, rest his soul. He was a, a wonderful guy, but yeah, I think they kind of laughed at it and. It was what it was. Rick Bogner had quite the career internationally before he came over for you guys. And that was really his first big break. Uh, but as we know, it wound up not being so big. What, what do you remember about, you know, Rick Bogner? You said he was a great guy, but we don't know much about him besides fake razor. Well, when we were sitting there, Paul Heyman is the one who actually came up with the idea of him being razor and, and Paul had made the comment that, Hey Bruce, I've got this guy in my locker room that is dead nuts on Scott hall. And I said, what? He goes, Oh my God, he does razor Ramon better than Scott hall does razor Ramon. So we brought him in to say, Hey, do razor. And he did it. And it was, you know, he, he looked similar to razor Ramon, but he, he did the, Hey, yo, Chico. And we had the mannerisms down and the whole nine yards. So that was, 
that one didn't take nearly as much work as is uh diesel and bringing glenn jacobs in to fine-tune him into the diesel character so it was some interesting times but bogner you know he understood it and he understood that this may or may not work but he was into it and it was it was paul lee the one that it called me and said, Hey, I got this guy in my locker room that's just does Razor Rome better than Scott Hall. And hence they were born. It's a shame, man, that uh that he's no longer with us because it does feel like, based on everything I've read about the guy, and I'll admit I haven't seen a ton of his Japanese work, but that maybe he could have been something and had a better run had he not went with this gimmick and, and come in with this gimmick, but I'm sure he was thinking at the time and he did an interview with Sean Mooney. If you're interested in this, you can go check it out on Sean Mooney's podcast primetime. But I think it may have been something that you know, he felt like at the time was, Hey, this is my, my one chance. And if I say no to this, I may never get another chance again. So I got to just get in the game and see what I can do. And ultimately it doesn't wind up working out. Is there wisdom in knowing when to say no in hindsight, because had he not come in as that character, maybe he would have been something else and maybe it would have worked out differently. But once he was sort of known as fake razor, that's probably all, I mean, that's all she wrote. I don't think so because he had been in the business for a while and was just Rick Titan. Oh, he's a decent hand, but nothing more beyond that. He doesn't have a lot of personality and he, uh, He's not going to draw you any money. That that was his rap at the time. But he's 26. I understand that. He had still been in the business for whatever, seven years at that point. And that was, that was kind of the rap on him. It was like, okay, you know, yeah, he's big guys. He's got a look, but, you know, he's just big Rick Titan. So you see I don't know. There was a, there, people weren't buzzing about him as Rick Titan, put it that way. We're getting to the finish here. Kevin Nash just gave a jackknife powerbomb to his best friend, Scott Hall. He's holding up the number one. He's going to pick him up a second time here. Good God, the humanity. they taking all the time in the world. He knows what's coming. Everybody at home does too. Gets him up. Boom. A second jackknife. And here comes the weird finish that Meltzer was talking about. I hope it's a small package. Please, God, let it be a small package. A crotch chop. And he leaves. Well, so it's a count out. Scott Hall wins the match by count out. And this is the end of the feud. Holy shit. What do you think? I'm sorry. I, I can't see because I'm smelling the farts. Not buying that one, Conrad. I don't know. I, I guess, I, I, you know, I, I guess you could tell the story that, uh, he beat his buddy, but his buddy got the win and I don't care. I guess 
it's a weird story to tell, you know, two years prior, these guys were winning the tag titles for the first time in WCW from Harlem heat. And now here, unbelievably, they finally have a singles match and Kevin Nash just walks away when he has the match one, a little, a little different to say the least. Next up though, it's the battle of the scorpion death lock and the battle of the sharpshooter, Bret Hart and sting. Sort of the franchise of the WWF through the nineties and the franchise of WCW through the nineties finally happening. And you would think this would be, uh, you know, a dream match, uh, a, a bill after fantasy cover, and it's only going to get a star and a half. It's just a miss. Meltzer would say it's going to start slow and never really pick up, but that feels like sort of the theme of the show. A lot of slower plotting matches. I know you're old school and you prefer the old school style, but when you see a match like this, where it does get off to a slow start and it seems like it never picks up, I don't think all of this stuff ages all that great. You know, it's funny because a, a great match sometimes if here's a pro tip, uh, and I think I talked about this not long ago, July 1st, 1977, Sam Houston Coliseum, Houston, Texas. Terry Funk versus Harley Race for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. And the match went 41 minutes, two out of three falls. Harley wins the first fall with an abdominal stretch. But the match is, is the pace of Terry and Harley. Harley works the head. Terry works the leg for the spinning toe hold. It holds up still today. And there's a lot of people, I think, that the younger audience might look at it and go, God damn, they didn't do anything. But it was an ice-cold match in Houston. Neither guy worked the territory. It was just a match about the championship with two of the greatest of all time. And they held the audience. And not one time did either one of them ever look at the crowd. But they had the crowd in the palm of their hand. And that's the difference of being able to tell a story and being able to take the live audience that's there and bring them into your story without having to pander to them. So the style, the right kind of style, the right kind of storytelling will still hook the audience to make them want to see. And it was all about who's going to win the match. And the match ended up being stopped for blood. The, the audience bought it because of the way that Terry and Harley sold it. You, if you tell the right story and you're able to, to hook them. So I, I haven't seen this match with Brett and sting, but Brett Hart is always been one of those guys that Brett's not going to leave till he's got them. And Brett Hart is always been one that's been able to paint a beautiful picture in the ring. And tell a story with all of his matches. But Brett likes to get out there and feel it. And I think that, you know, if they're there, they're there. And if they're not, he'll get them there. Most of the time. Well, here we go. Let's see what you think of this match. And hey, uh. I feel like these days, if these guys had a match, they might need a little Omax cryo freeze. 
See, whether you're an athlete, a weekend warrior, or someone who deals with constant joint pain, back pain, muscle soreness, or arthritis, finding a natural remedy that instantly works might seem non-existent. Most over-the-counter pain relievers like Icy Hot and Bengay only focus on one basic cooling effect like menthol, which temporarily takes your mind off the pain until that pain returns in an hour or so. But here's a solution. If you're looking to get rid of nagging muscle and joint pain immediately while providing long lasting recovery, then you need to try the natural breakthrough pain relief solution, cryo-free CBD developed by Omax Health. This is non-prescription triple action pain relief roll on that is specially formulated to block pain receptors, reduce inflammation and improve muscle and joint flexibility. The best part is it's 100% natural. CBD powered remedy is going to work its magic within 10 minutes of application and the relief will last up to eight hours, much longer than over the counter products. And it's super easy to throw in your gym bag and take on the go for emergency pain relief. Simply roll it over where it hurts and ice out the pain with an Arctic blast. Omax health is offering our listeners 20% off a full bottle of cryo freeze pain relief roll on plus free shipping. And the discount also applies towards any product site wide. Just go to omaxhealth.com today and enter our promo code wrestle to take advantage of this incredible savings. That's omaxhealth.com and enter the promo code wrestle to get 20% off cryo freeze and site wide. That's O M A X health.com. And our promo code is wrestle. And I got to tell you, Bruce, I was a little skeptical, but I tried this. I even had Jennifer in the office. Try this Jim in the office. Try this. Everybody loves it. Everybody's ordering it. My dad is a big believer. He's had it for a while now. Cryo freeze and cryotherapy, uh, I guess is really the inspiration for cryo freeze. That means cold therapy. And this treatment exposes the body to cold temperatures in order to numb and reduce the pain. All the professional athletes, you know, from the NFL and NBA, like Steph Curry or LeBron James, they all use this and this is legit. I know you got your first sample for the first time recently. What do you think of cryo freeze so far? Well, I'm putting it on my head right now (laughs) from the pain that I'm in and it's helping quite a bit. No, in all seriousness. Yes. Because after a long day of being on my feet and just kind of everywhere, your lower back starts to hurt. And the beauty of it is, is it works fast. It works fast. And first two words I said, it works. Omaxhealth.com. Thank you. Promo code, Russell. Check it out. O-M-A-X health.com. And that promo code is Russell. I'm a believer. My family is. Bruce says you're going to love it. Omaxhealth.com. So here you see Bret Hart jacking with a Goldberg fan here in the front row. Go And by the way. Brett is not happy to be here in this match. He would say, I was baffled when Eric wasted Hart versus Hogan on a free match on Nitro on September 28th, throwing away a guaranteed moneymaker that the fans had been waiting years for. The plan, in my view, was insane. He wanted me to turn babyface during an in ring interview, challenge Hogan, then get injured and have Sting take my place. When Sting twisted Hogan into a Scorpion Deathlock, I would limp back out and double cross sting by DDTing him head first into the mat, turning heel again. The turn me heel at this point was so stupid. It felt like sabotage. 
and he would write of this match. I worked Halloween havoc with sting in Las Vegas, retaining the U S title by beating him senseless with a baseball bat that was actually made of foam. So he fucking hates everything about this. And, and Meltzer did too. He only gives it a star and a half and there's going to be silliness here because there's going to be a stretcher job and an ambulance. And it doesn't even get polite applause. Like no one cares. And at this point, I guess they've done so much in WCW that it all just sort of runs together. And this is, you know, for better or worse, Russo gets credited with a lot of the, the bad booking and the swerve bro and the overkill. This is way before Russo. So this is not Russo here. What do you make of, uh, Brent's frustrations that he wrote about in his book with them giving away the Hogan match, which originally what was spoken about that maybe this would be Hogan Brett. Of course they pivot. It's going to be Hogan warrior and he's in here with sting, which also once upon a time could have been, should have been, maybe was supposed to have been a pay-per-view main event, but instead it's just this mishmash mess. Well, it's on a pay-per-view. Um, it's, you know, God, sometimes you've got to pull the trigger and you've got to be able to, to have the match and you know, they're, they're here. So since they're here and you're here, you might as well make the best of it. And you've got to be able to go out and and tell the story and just do what you have to do. But, you know, flip flopping and, and back and forth, after a while it's it's just it's tough and to do to do two two switches in one night um i don't know i don't and they actually did that yeah wow wow well again i look at you look at sting and brett and that's a match that i think that a lot of people over the years when Brett was WWE and sting was all about WCW, then that is a match. That I think people really would, would want to see, but you're looking at, I'm seeing a lot of red and black in the audience. Um, woofa. It's almost as if Brett's just saying, okay, you want slow motion? You want, <laughs> you want to heal? I can do that. And, and let's play. If they just, well, I'm not, cra- I'm not crazy about Sting's goatee and mustache either. What do you think about tomato face Sting? Tomato <laughs> Sting. Um, I might like tomato face Sting better if it would, if he didn't have the goatee. Cause it looks, because it looks like the goatee is painted on. You know, he's got it highlighted black or painted black, what have you, with the red face and everything, and maybe that's supposed to be part of the look, but I think it would have been cooler with some black stripes or something to accentuate it down the face without the goatee. I'm not not crazy about the look. I like the white face sting. I like the red, white, and blue sting that's going to be at StarCast for the first time in decades. Red, white, and blue bleach blonde spiked hair sting? Red, white, and blue face paint sting with the red, white, and blue jacket sting with the belt he won when he beat Ric Flair for the belt in 1990 sting. Well, that was a good sting. Chat me up about sting. You know, I haven't spent a ton of time talking about him 
How many conversations did y'all have with him over the years that you remember? That I was involved with. I know that we had two that I was at least involved with over the years, but it was always, I think that sting was apprehensive to ever make the move early on. He was a WCW guy that was comfortable in his role and comfortable where he was. And I don't think that he really wanted to make that jump because of that comfort level. And I do believe that had sting had sting made the move in, let's say 1988, 1989. I think that, uh, he would have had a very, very different career and, and possibly been 10 times bigger than, than he was in WCW. Do you think it would have been feasible for him to slide into the warrior spot? Yes. Yeah. I really do. And, and I say all that because of, of just personality wise and, and the, the way that sting was at that time and and still is today. He's, I think that he definitely would have been able to slide into that spot and, and been the man. It's so fascinating to go back and think about that. It really is. Yeah. And, and again, that's one of those ifs and that's one of those, um, shoulda, coulda, woulda and what would have happened, but you know, we'll never know. And maybe, you know, maybe he wouldn't have, maybe he, he would have gotten there and, and just not, not been as comfortable and not be able to deliver. You, you just never know in, in different, different bodies of water, you're going to react differently and be accepted in a different way. But in 1988, it was still, he was still new enough and he was still unique enough that it could have, that it really could have exploded. What do you think the, uh, the feud would have looked like? I'm not saying that to be funny, but him and Hogan WrestleMania six, we just talked about how it did record business 3.4. I mean, that's a huge number. How would he have fared with Hogan? I think, I think it would have been great. I I think that he really would have been great. A lot of it is dancing partners too. I'm not sure that sting would have risen to the, the heights that he did. Had he not had Ric Flair making him look better, a lot better than he was at the time. Right. And that's not a knock on sting. Flair did that for everybody in that era. Yeah, but Flair was challenged with Sting, and, and Flair, you know, was was told, "Hey, we need to make this guy." And and I think Rick took it as a challenge. It's like, okay, I'll make you a star, and that was Rick Flair going out and doing what Rick Flair does. And it's, he made Sting that Clash Champions in whatever it was, nineteen eighty eight. Yeah, head to head with y'all at WrestleMania four. Yes, and, and it's fun to think about, you know, because st- a babyface Sting. Like, let's just pretend for a minute. We're just going to switch ultimate warrior and Hulk Hogan sting versus ravishing Rick rude at SummerSlam 90. That would have been fucking tremendous. We saw that in WCW. We know those guys had chemistry and they, they could tell great stories. It would have been a great match. And then you keep sort of keep that train of thought going. WrestleMania seven. You think a, a heel, Randy Savage and sting, come on. They would have tore it down at WrestleMania seven. It would have been tremendous. Yes, they would have. And I think Sting could have hung in every one of those situations. Every every single one of them, I think that he would have been able to, to deliver, and he did throughout his career in WCW as well. 
Um, do you think, and I don't mean this derogatory at all, uh, but do you think some guys, cause you've said this phrase a lot that some guys are scared of success and some guys, I think a different way of phrasing that is some guys would prefer to be, or are more comfortable in the role of being a big fish in a small pond. Correct. Do you think that was true of sting as well? Well, yeah, I, to a point, yes, but at the same time, sting became, you know, the, the big fish in the ocean too. When WCW really blew up and they made sting the guy, he still was that focal point And he was, he was that glimmer of hope that they had. Um, if only he had hit the tanning bed, then I had to do that. I'm uh, sorry. I'm, so- <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to fucking click stop and drive to Connecticut and kick you in the three time karate <laughs> dick right now. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if, if only he had tanned, then it might've been different, but no, I sting was the equivalent. You know, he was their Hulk Hogan for many years. He uh, was their hero. He was their guy. And that company was built around him in, in many ways. I'm not asking this to be funny. How did you know about the tan thing? I never told you about that. Everybody knew about that. My God, he showed up out of shape and not tan. Oh my God. Well, no, I, I mean, I know you, you had fun laughing at Eric about it, but that's, that's honest to God truth. I mean, I agree with that. It, it's. Oh God. What? It's getting worse. Look at Hulk Hogan. He's tan. Look at Sting here. He's tan. Look at Brett. Jesus Christ. He pops off that pink. Does this explain why you use the tanning bed at my house every day you were here? Oh God. Yes. You're trying to be over. But I haven't, I haven't tanned in years, so I'm, I'm pale and white. I'd never get over. I used to be over. You haven't tanned in a year. I'm not going to say years. Hey, by the way, uh, uh, a year, yeah, got, about a year. You got space for tanning beds now, and I got two here. Yeah, here. send one up. <laughs> hey, Silva, send the stand-up one here. That that'll go good in the basement. Please, another ref bump. Oh, and a leg drop. Man, I love Bret Hart's leg drop. Yeah, he's got the snap to it. Did you see that? Uh, I, and I don't think you would be into this. They make Bret Hart pajama pants and pajama shorts now from Chalkline. Oh, that's awesome. So it's made to look just like these tights. And I think you running around the house trying to excellently execute with Dodger. I mean, that checks out. Because he's a good boy. You got to get that worked out. I mean, you ought to be able to get some free shit up there, huh? Well, you would think so. I would definitely hope so. Jeez. All I know you've gotten up there free so far is a lot of cups of ice. A lot of like, ice. Yes. I like me the ice in the little ice machine thing. This match, by the way, uh, Meltzer would say as Stinger covered, he accidentally elbowed referee, Billy Silverman and Hart leg dropped him bad night for refs. It's amazing. The similarities in the booking of today and the booking that put Jim Crockett out of business 10 years ago. When you see all the baseball bats, all the ref shots, all the ding dong shots. Oh God damn. They've uh, they probably broke his ankle there. Okay. Sting just did a superplex off the top row 
on Bret Hart, and Bret came all the way down on the referee, laying face down the middle of the ring. And he had no idea it was coming because he wasn't even looking. No. Oh God, that hurt me watching it. I was really hoping you were going to launch into Lance Russell. And now you see Brett's like, oh shit, I may have hurt this guy. I should go check on him. Oh, come on, Brett. Brett Hart now in the corner. Stinger splash. If only we had a referee here right now. Wait a minute. What the fuck happened? Why did that hurt Sting? Why is Sting dead now? <laughs> Here comes the baseball bat. Are you ready? Oh my God. Come on, Brett. Okay. If it's a rubber bat, why is he? Ooh. Yeah. Right. Right. Oh, come on. Hey, get somebody out here. When did this, you... this has gone too far? When did you know you could do this voice? Lance Russell. Oh, come on. Okay. You made your point, Brett. Enough. Oh, oh, two. Oh, come on. Why did he roll the bat out? Is so the referee can, alive now? Yeah. He's going to wake the referee up. Hey, get on your shattered angle uh, ankle and let me win. Wake up. I'm going to rub your face. Oh, okay. Hey. All right. I'm okay. Now I'm still a little groggy. Okay. Hang on. Wait, what do you think of this referee? sale? um, <laughs> I hope he comes from zero to hero and just calls for that fucking bell. Okay. So the sharpshooter now makes a man pass out Two. wait a minute. Wait a minute. He just picked. Brett, so basically Brett just ping pin sting on his chest. No, hang on now. Let's run through that. The referee just counted. He didn't count. He checked what his he arm. Did. He dropped his arm to see he was passed out. I know, but then he went down and counted to three. He was groggy. Look, he's counting to four. <laughs> he's doing algebra now. Five. I was going to say, you can't say that now the sharpshooter makes people pass out because literally that was the finish of Bret Hart and Steve Austin a year prior. Okay. So it made sense. <laughs> yeah. But the referee didn't count to three. Oh, come on, Brett. I love when you do your Lance Russell. It's good stuff. That might be oh, enough. Okay. All right. You got the title. Okay. Get out of there now, Brett. Yeah. We've seen you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They know you're the champ. Yeah. You should be proud, Brett. Oh, come on. Are you ready for this? What's next? God damn. I hope it's a Sid, uh, dip, dip, uh, uh, him. Did it be, it's gonna is be, it? it's going to be Hulk Hogan and the ultimate warrior. Now listen, you saw these guys more than eight years prior to this. And they had with a lot of help from Pat Patterson. Pretty good match. No, Damn Pat, good match. no Pat Patterson here. And they're eight years older. And this is warriors first match back. How many minutes do you think they should go? Minutes. How many minutes? 
Why would you shoot a stretcher? Well, what are they going to do? Shoot. Uh, here's I don't what, know. one guy chewing gum. That looks, I like that. They're not in a hurry at all. No, no. Doug Dillinger EMT. Dillinger's not in there. Yeah, he is. Where? You'll see him here in a minute. I'm just saying he's not in the ring. No, he's not. He's outside the ring. I saw a picture of Doug Dillinger the other day. He looks like Michael McDonald. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be there. Doug Dillinger's going to be where? No, that's that's Michael McDonald's favorite song. Yeah, I'm going to be there. You don't remember? No. Sing it. You don't know Yama be there? No. I'm really disappointed in you. I ain't got a fever, got a permanent disease, and it'll take more than a doctor to prescribe a remedy. I got lots of money, but it isn't what I need. Cause it'll take more than a shot to get this fever out of me. I got all the symptoms, count of one, two, three. First you bleed, that's what you get for falling in love. I do Bon Jovi too, man. Y'all thought I could only do Aerosmith and ACDC. I do it all, but I'm multi-talented. Are you, are you a little punchy? Cause we've been watching this show since last Thursday. I, <laughs> it feels like it. Yeah. I mean, that's what we get for, you know, doing the show in eight parts when we started on Sunday and we did two hours and we did another three on Monday and then came home and did the next two. And now it's Saturday morning again. You know, what's weird too, is we've got a. We've got to find time to do this show, um, for next week before you leave to go over yonder. Yeah, we do. We only had these two weeks back (laughs) (laughs) next week. Of course, we're talking about fabulous moolah. If anybody's still with us, they're going, what the fuck are they talking about? Yeah, this is not a high point in the history of something to wrestle, but Bruce has texted me a few times about how much he fucking hates me. And he's called my mother, very unkind names. I read the military funk voice though. So that made it a little funnier, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, this is not my best idea. I thought this would be punishment for, uh, Bruce. It's punishment. You're right. I thought it would just be for you, but I think the fucking rib is on me and, and the rest of the listeners. Yeah. My bad. Sorry. There's Doug Dillinger. See, he's at the he's at the foot of the thing there. Oh, he's supervising. But look, he looks like Michael McDonald even there. Yeah, I'm gonna be there. I'll be there for you. These three words. Wait, I sw- I'll be there for these five words. I swear to you. When you breathe, I wanna be the air for you. I'll be there for you. God damn, I'm good. Please stop. If you're going to sing a song, there's one song they want to hear. And don't do that one right now. What's just song overload right now? I spend my days working hard on the go in my nights all night watching Halloween. Check out the chick with the cleaning up sweeper. They're clean, the cleaning up sweeper. Yeah. What, what if undertaker was driving the ambulance? That would be, that would make my night. 
We gotta go edit that in. That right there would make my night. What are we shooting right now? The winder. I wanted to drive away and have that the lady that's got the broom and the the. No, the... I need a twelve-year-old Braun Strowman to come dip this motherfucker over. Please, just knock it right over, and on top of Roman right, a, a childhood Roman Reigns. That'd be great. Well, that's, that's fucking 20 minutes. We'll never get back, but thankfully business is about to pick up. Are you ready for what we're about to see right here? This by uh, the way, do you, no, no, I'm not. Do you want to guess the, uh, the rating of this match? What Meltzer gave it? I know you put no stock in that, but just guess what this one gets. Well, if it was in the Tokyo dome, it would get nine and a half. Guess what this one is. Six plus. Be fucking real. Three. Negative five stars. Negative five stars. In that case, I can't wait. Here he comes. You know what? It's fit, it's fitting that Snickers is the sponsor of the show because you know what their slogan is, right? Not going anywhere for a while. No, we are fucking tethered to our goddamn desks. Watching this piece of shit. Not Hulk Hogan, the show. Can we just give him the finish and go on? No, this is what we're here for. Oof. See, now let me, okay, let me point this out. Look at how tan Hogan is. I see you. Right? Yeah, he's tan. I'll give you that. He's tan as a motherfucker. He is tan as a motherfucker. Always tan as a motherfucker. How many hours in his life do you think he spent tanning? A lot. A lot. Many, many. Many hundreds, thousands of hours tanning. Wow, you're going thousands of hours on me. Yeah. But, you know, here's here's the great thing. I remember being on the road with Randy Savage. And uh, Randy loved to tan as well. We would always, man, if we couldn't hit... You know, we hit the tanning bed and then we'd always try and, and get at least an hour or two at the pool. And Randy would always go through the Fred Blassie rules for tanning. What, what are the Fred Blassie rules for tanning? Okay. A couple of things. When you're tanning in a tanning bed, you got to sit on it for a while so that it gets the creases in your ass, you know, on your legs. Because if you, if you lay on it in your, uh, You'll, you'll have that crease there where your ass is. So you got to sit on it. So it's flat and you get that area tan. Also, he's going to spread your fingers, man. Spread your fingers out so that you tan in between your fingers. You don't want that white shit. Don't put them together. It looks weird. Um, always, always rotate, man. And it's like you, you lay on your back, you lay on each side and then you lay on your stomach. Don't just, don't just do two sides, man. You got four sides. You got to take care of, get those, get the arms up. Uh-huh. See, look at warrior warriors, tan. You're being serious right now. Uh, 100%. Does Vince... Yeah. There were rules for tanning, man. Fred Blassie rules for tanning. That's what I used to call him. Does Vince feel this strongly about tanning? Well, I hope so. 
Yeah, but Freddie, man, yeah, and one time <laughs> Freddie tells a story about his wife going to the grocery store and, and Ted uh, Fred had a uh tanny bed with a canopy that lowered, you know, um electronically it would lower and it would automatically raise itself when it shut off. But you couldn't lift it yourself. All right. It would lower down and, and whenever the lights were on, but when the lights went off and your time was up, it would raise itself up. Well, his wife went to the grocery store and Freddie went down to tan and the electricity went off. Oh no. And so Fred was stuck in the tanning bed for two hours waiting for Miyako to come home. Wait, what was his wife's name? I think it was Miyako. Wow. Beautiful woman. I saw pictures. I just, I just always referred to her when I would speak of her as Mrs. Blast. Mrs. Blast. Yeah. That, that'd be a good bit of advice. I'm not rude. Come on. No, no. I'm saying, I mean, no, that's, that's actually how I refer to her, but she was a sweet, sweet woman. See warriors tan. Are you ready for this match, buddy? No. Cannot wait. Seriously. I need all your attention on this. And now they're going to stall. And if, Don't make if, me. if just Hogan wouldn't have stalled. Hey, Conrad. Hey, tell you what, if we don't have to watch this match, no, we have to, this is why we're here. You, I listened, listen to this offer though. Okay. I will get you your first order of blue chew. Absolutely free. Use my promo code wrestle. Pay five bucks shipping and handling and boom. Okay. I'll do that for you. My Don't wa- tell anybody though. My wife won't let me have any more blue chew. Don't tell her. Well, she, she'll you, know. Baby. She'll know. Not if you tell her it's all her. Oh, there was a donut involved once. She's done with that now. I can't use it anymore. Oh. Yeah, the Krispy Kremes with the custard is just. Ugh. So here we go. Kenny, <laughs> Kenny powers is your referee. Oh God. Kenny fucking powers, Nick Patrick. That's great. Make sure you check your brother. By the way, you have a duster like this. Now yours is black. It's not all airbrushed. Can we get with Jimmy Hart and figure out who does his airbrushing and have him do a custom something to wrestle paint job on your duster? I think that would be badass. And when we do our live shows, Next year, that would be killer. I may do that. I, I may just do that, Conrad. It would be great if you ran on stage to the Ultimate Warriors music and you started shaking stuff. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. Me run? If you trotted out to the Ultimate Warriors music. If you walked very briskly onto the stage. How about if I just came out on stage? <laughs> if you appeared on the stage. <laughs> there you go. Eventually get there. All right. Collar and elbow tie up. Going to do a little test of strength. No, Hogan's got Ah, Come on, Hogan. Come on. We had no idea what he was going. Talk me through when guys slap their shoulder. Like, oh, he's, he's cranking my arm here. He's well, dude, you got to get the blood flowing back in. So you got to, you got to hit it and get the blood flowing back in. Oh, okay. You don't have to now, thanks to Blue Chew. 
So we're done? No. Oh, I thought that was finished. Thought it was going to be a count out. Open. Even if it was, this, <laughs> we've still got our main event after this. Or here's this what we could do. As soon as it starts, we could just cut it off and pretend that we were 25% yes. of those cable systems. Please. No, we have, that's what we have to do anyway, because it's gotta be, it's gotta be true to form. Is it realistic? Originally aired. Yeah. Realistic. I got you. I'll be there for please, you. Please, please. These five words, I swear to you. Bruce, stop fucking <laughs> singing. Just. Trying to entertain myself. You're making me watch. This. Well, this is, I mean, listen, you got to see this some. is history right here, baby. This is the two biggest names in the, uh, industry at one time well, colliding. Ask, ask Tony Schiavone. I'm sure he said a hundred times during this, this is the most important match in the history of our great sport. This one right here, the greatest match in the history of our great sport. Feel the power. You don't think so? Maybe not so much. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Ah. Shortcuts. Come on, Hulk. What does own mean? One what? warrior nation. Oh. It's like his WCW version of Districity. Oh. It's that it's the NWO backwards. You see, he owns the NWO because he's one. Oh, okay. I better test the strength on the outside. Well, he's got the advantage because he's got him on the turnbuckle. Uh oh. Uh oh. We've seen this spot before. We have. And Hulk prevailed, did he not? No, Hulk lost, remember? Oh, shit. Damn it. I'm still not getting the own thing. It's NWO backwards. Oh, but okay. But he doesn't need a group of guys. He's just one warrior and he is a part of one warrior nation. He is one warrior nation. He himself. But he is tan. Yeah. Talk to me about, uh, this is something we haven't spent a lot of time talking about on the show. Hulk Hogan has no armpit hair. The ultimate warrior has armpit hair. He does. What's the rule of thumb on, uh, armpit hair maintenance in wrestling. Warrior doesn't have armpit hair. Yes, he does. I don't think he does. Okay. Let's just pretend he does and answer the question. God damn it. Well, it's hygiene, man. Well, tell everybody Shave that shit. Tell I everybody. don't have armpit hair. Oh God. We've been through this Conrad. I know, but it's been a while here on the show. As a rule of thumb though, why are most wrestlers accustomed to and expected to shave their armpit hair for hygiene? It's just better hygiene. It's cleanliness. It's, uh, and and it's preference. Some guys, some guys don't like to shave. Some guys do just strictly preference. But back in the olden days, it it was a hygienic thing and it makes your arms look bigger too. When you shave them. (laughs) Hang on. You're, you think your arms look bigger if there's no armpit hair? Yeah. Help me, help me understand. 
Because it draws the arm to the bi- it draw, draws the eye to the bicep, not to the pit. And you feel like people, if you have armpit hair, they look at the hair. Sure, it's distracting. What do you think of this move here? A crisscross applesauce into a body slam, no sale. Uh oh. Oh no. Oh, come on. Yeah. How about that, Hulk? This Hulk, what's he doing right now? He's warrioring up. Warrioring up. Yeah. Is Lance Russell Loki your favorite announcer ever? Yes. Does he belong in the WWE Hall of Fame? Yes. Yeah, come on, Patrick. Let him go. He's, he's calling him over. Like, tell him to come over. Please. I want to, you know what? Let's do the count here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Why in the fuck is the referee nine, 10 out of the ring, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Even the most lenient is 20, 22, 23. 24 referee back in the ring 25 Hogan back in the ring at the count of 25 Uh Oh, Oh my, come on Hulk. That was no accident. Neen the referee right in the head. Oh boy. This is, this has gone off the rails. Are you ready for what's about to happen? I don't know what's going to happen, but I know somebody's coming out. I think Dude, you're about to see the greatest shit in the history of shit. Can't wait. Can't wait. Is the Yeti coming out? Even better. The big show. No, not just that. There's another spot. that's just tremendous. He's happy. Yep. I wonder what's going to happen. Ah, yeah. Take that Hulk. That was a hell of a bump by that big bastard. Huge bump for a big dude. It's coming to get meat sauce. Oh, damn. Virgil fell down. He needs one of them Apple watches that like, if you fall down, it calls 911. That's not Virgil. That's Vincent. Okay. One, two, three, four. I love Kenny Powers has his, both of his legs draped over the bottom rope. Well, he was injured. Okay. What's happening now? It was a a 19 day backdrop. (laughs) That was a side Sue play. How the fuck can you see his shoulders from way back there? (laughs) I love that's the part of this. You have a problem with. Dude, this is a clinic, you know, Eddie Guerrero, he, uh, he could have learned a thing or two from watching this, couldn't he? If only it had made his flight. <laughs> that right there is called a callback, my friends. 
Warrior's still selling the choke. Dude, oh no! A warrior air humping in this match. Oh, how about this? Hitting him with a belt. Where's where you at, Lance? Come on. Ah, oh, come on, Hogan. Come on. That's an illegal object, ref. And by the way, it wasn't an accident when Hogan fell on you either. Yeah. Why? And he's pulling the fucking Hogan by his hair. <laughs> pulling the fucking Hogan. What the fuck? No, yes, that's right. You tell him, ref. Holy shit. It's about to get really good now. He's buried his fingers in his eyeballs. Let me give you the, the, what this sounds like. That was like Hogan's go-to sound effect right there. Well, that's everybody's go-to sound. That's just a sound that is affected when your body is. Look at this. <laughs> What's this one? What's this? <laughs> oh, God damn. Oh, shit. That's, I love, Ouch. I love that so much. But we're not done. Why not? I'm pretty sure this was a disqualification a while ago. The high spot is coming, my friend. Have a little patience. Conrad, I think after uh, tonight, uh, one thing that you can say for me is I have patience. I'm, I'm having patience. I know. I'll be a, I'll probably be a patient by the time everything's done. The local hospital. Will. This is the longest uh, we've gone in a while, especially with uh, no interrupted conference calls, phone calls, or pee breaks. I'm really proud of you with your tiny bladder and crazy schedule. Well, I'm just shocked. Uh-oh, belt's coming off. That's what your wife's going to okay. say when she finds out you got the blue chew. Uh-oh. Yeah, how does that feel, Hulk? Uh-huh, yeah. How does your own medicine taste? And Nick Patrick's just begging Warrior, and he's going to hit him with a belt around his hand. Conrad. Yes, sir. I don't know if I can ever forgive you for this. Here we go. Here we go. Here comes the hot spot. Hogan goes into the trunks, pulls out a Ziploc bag. With another bag in it. Yep. He's got a lighter. Uh Oh, are you ready? You know what this means? Lance. Oh God. No way. Ah, oh, fireball to the mat. <laughs> <laughs> Hogan trying to set the mat on fire. The warrior blocked it. Thank God. Saving all of his warrior maniacs. Hogan trying to build a fire to distract. I think here it is. What, what the fuck? After more messed up looking spots, Hogan pulled this bag out of his trunks. It looked like some drug paraphernalia, but it was flash paper. Hogan was supposed to throw a fireball at warrior, but after attempting to light the paper in slow motion, he threw the fireball and nothing happened. No fireball. The whole place groaned and poor warrior who didn't have a clue to begin with really didn't know what to do. This spot will be replayed for the next 100 years. And at this point they had blown away the Sid vicious night stalker match as the worst match of the last two decades. Somehow the paper then ignited for a split second, nearly burning Hogan's hand. He was supposed to throw fire and somehow ring announcer. Dave Penzer was supposed to put his jacket on warrior. And somehow warrior was supposed to make a comeback 
Warrior improvised and came off the top, the top twice with sledges. And then Hogan sliced his, uh, forehead open, which is what we're looking forward to here. And there he is, Horace Hogan, his own blood who Hogan proved a point. If I'll do this to my own blood, imagine what I'll do to you, brother. Oh my God. What do you think? I, I, I think I hate you and I really don't want to dun dun because I cannot stand this. Um, by the way, you guys were running judgment day, uh, this month. So your main event on your, your side was, uh, a Kane versus undertaker for the vacant WWF championship. Stone cold. Steve Austin was the special guest referee. Around ref. He just hit him with a chair and there it is, but we're not done. Hogan got his win back. There you go. It happened. You've seen, so him, you've seen a bonus is good now. Now. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, Hogan turned his back on him and beat him up, bloodied his own blood. So Horace is clearly here looking for revenge, but didn't Horace just hit warrior. He had to prove his loyalty. Oh, okay. it was a swerve, bro. Thank God, Horace, that you've come around and you've seen the light and you love your uncle Hulkster. Oh, it's good to see family back together again. We had, we had family fighting earlier on in the night with the Steiners and now, Ooh, Wait, good ready God. For this? Hang on. Here's Look at the staples. Right. He's pouring lighter fluid all over the ultimate wire. What? That's lighter fluid. You've seen lighter fluid before. Yeah. Well, here we go. Doug Dillinger doesn't want him. He doesn't want to see a human sacrifice right in the middle of the ring at Halloween Havoc and MGM Grant. So the head of security just stopped Hulk Hogan from setting another man on fire. A sweaty man though. I'm not sure he would have burned a lot. By the way, the, uh, have you watched this shit with Eric? Uh, yeah. Well, I didn't watch it with him. I watched it with Tony, but we talked about it with Eric, by the way, the way Meltzer would recap this entire, uh, match and segment before he gave it negative five stars is with this sentence. That Undertaker Kane storyline makes perfect sense. So there you go. Yeah. I just thought, I mean, it was just, it was very complimentary to you. That was your angle. Well, it, it did make sense. Warrior now, also would say. Sniffing his hands. Did he go poopy? Warrior said of this run, everyone was doing what they wanted to do. There was no leadership at all in WCW, no direction. He said, McMahon is a leader, a planner, and he follows through with his plan. Bischoff always used the word spontaneity. Spontaneity is one thing, but showing up an hour and a half before TV when millions of dollars are on the line, that's lunacy. I think he let anxiety get to him. And he said, when he compared his runs in the WWF or WCW, he would say brutal. He said, uh, after Halloween Havoc, quote, the next night they were in Phoenix and I lived in Phoenix and it was just natural that I was going to show up there. They did the little, uh, spaz at the end when I came out and threw everybody out of the ring. 
And the next week was to Kansas city. I only went to the TVs and I show up at Kansas city and nobody expected me to be there. Tried to talk to Bischoff, but he wouldn't talk to me. And for the next couple of weeks, I think I called 16 times and he wouldn't return my call. And all I'd asked him to do, I said, this doesn't make any sense. Put me in the ring. Let me work my matches. My stuff could happen in the ring. It doesn't make any sense. The kind of money they paid me for the last few months of my contract. It was a six month contract and I didn't even work it. They didn't even give my character an opportunity. And that was stupid. The first 15 minutes was a launching pad to do really great things. You know, OWN was a great concept. Ultimate warrior already had this. Uh, intense was already over as an intense killer. And I tore my bicep when I came back and I was in the ring at Halloween havoc four weeks later, there's guys who have a torn bicep and they don't show up for six months, but I was there. Well, I think he should have stayed home. I'm just saying if he had stayed home, we wouldn't have had to watch this tonight. I like Michael Buffer with the silver hair better. Do you really? Yeah. He looks like the brown hair. Looks like Polly Walnuts right here. He's getting those wings. Yeah, a little bit, but but he he looks like a like Eric Bischoff's older brother. We should mention John Davidson's dad. This match here uh, is actually very well done. It gets three and a quarter stars. I think it's probably Goldberg's best match. And DDP does a great job laying the match out. Of course, DDP was notorious in this era for scripting every single move. And maybe a lot of guys didn't like that, but with a, with a a young upstart like Goldberg made a lot of sense. You got to remember this guy's only been in the company for 13 months, at least on TV. Uh, so he's in a primetime spot. DDP has been around a lot longer than that. They let out a really good match. That was clearly all DDP's idea. Tremendously well done. And. Dusty had allegedly suggested that nobody would call it that DDP would win this and that they should have put the belt on DDP here. Of course, DDP would win the belt in April of the following year, but he says it could have been here and he could have been the guy to end the streak because so many fans believed in the diamond cutter. That's kind of hard to argue at the time with that logic and believe it or not. Goldberg and diamond Dallas page would win the best match poll in the wrestling observer reader poll. Do you want to guess what, what sort of rating this got with the readers of the observer, this whole show, was it thumbs up, thumbs down or thumbs in the middle? Oh my God. Well, they probably loved it. This, I mean, uh, seriously. Yeah. Guess. What do you think they gave it? Thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. Thumbs down. 60.7% thumbs down, 22% thumbs up, 17% thumbs in the middle. It's unanimous. Worst match was Hogan Warrior. There wasn't another m- vote for worst match. They got it all in that one. But now this is going to be a pretty good match. So it goes 10 minutes and chains, and then uh, you're finally off the hook. Can you believe it? Yeah, but I want it to be realistic like it was on the pay-per-view as it aired live all these many years before and once ding, 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 we, well, we're out of time. No, you know, let's talk about, uh, Goldberg for a minute because, uh, Goldberg's one of those guys who a lot of people thought was, was done years ago, probably 15 years ago. And he popped back up on a scene a handful of years ago. And I think surprised a lot of people when he beat Brock Lesnar very quickly on pay-per-view and then worked a series of matches and, and had a big WrestleMania match and. Then just very recently this year came back again. You've worked with Goldberg a couple times now. 
has your opinion on Goldberg changed, you know, from, from back then to now, I know we don't talk about current stuff a lot, but I would imagine you've had a much different experience this go around. Yeah. Enjoyable. I think that's uh, cool. That I mean, it really, it really, it really, and truly is. Do you think it's just, uh, the he's matured. You guys have a better understanding of how to deal with performers like that. Has the locker room changed? It's just time heals all wounds. What do you think? What do you think it is that makes it click more now than it did before? I think it's all the above. I, I think your environment change and you grow up and you have different outlook in life and your priorities change. So you approach things in a different way with a different attitude and all of us, not just, not just him or not just me or anybody else. Everyone has. So is times change and you mature and you grow up, you become a different person. Is he walking through the great pumpkin? He's walking behind it and around it. Here he comes. Does he fall down or anything like that? No, he doesn't fall down. Okay. I'm just checking. I can ask. Where does that belt rank in your all-time belts? I mean, it, it, it would rank in the top five. It's not my favorite, but it, it is one of my favorites. It is in the top five. You know my favorite. Oh, yeah. The the old school uh, NWA. Yeah. Yeah. The one that Kaniski and Thez and Funk had. I always call it the Kaniski belt for better or worse. Well, that's good because, you know, like, like Thez had different belts and, uh, well, Dory didn't. So I called it Dory belt, but Kaniski, same thing. Kaniski and Dory. Dory never held the 10 pounds. Dory never held the classic 10 pounds. Nope. Nope. Dory dropped the, dropped that belt to Harley and Harley dropped it to Jack. And that's when they retired it. I got you. And then somebody stole it. So if anybody out there knows where it is, that's my white whale. That's my. Yeah. You had me chase it. What? Three years ago. I couldn't find it. I'm still chasing. Still chasing. Man. What a big fight feel this has. Look at the crowd, man. They're all on their, on their feet. Everybody's ready for this. And it was, by the way, it was about this time that the paper goes and it's off the air. Well, let's relive it. Why, why won't you just ride this baby out? We just got a handful of minutes left. I think you'll like this match too. Best match on the show. Save the best for last. By the way, you can recreate this in the new WWE 2K 20. It's here. Relive the groundbreaking journey of the four horsewomen and the women's evolution from their start in NXT to 2019. When the women headline WrestleMania for the first time in history in the 2K showcase and for the first time ever in WWE 2K, you can play as both female and a male character in my career, unlock WWE legends, original characters, and unique environments. As you make your way from the Indies to the WWE hall of fame, WWE 2K 20 also shines a spotlight on Roman reigns and 2K towers, Roman's reign. It's available now for Xbox one PlayStation four. And of course on PC. Well, so far this match has already been better than most everything else on the show. Dude, how cool is it? They call an elbow tied up 
through the ropes down to the floor. That's cool. That that's realism. I love it. Well, I like it too, except for the referee being out of the ring. Get in the ring, Mickey. I like Mickey Hanson. Mickey's good people. GDP. So man. yeah, hey, already you're, you're okay. I'll give it to you already. It's been better than most everything else on the show. They're, they're picking up the space, you know? Yeah. I, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not dogging on WCW, but this show's really sucked so far. No, it has. It's not good. Wow. This is a nice little backflip by old Goldberg there. I mean, you don't see that coming, right? No, I don't think Paige saw those kicks coming either. Oh my bill with her arm bar tap Dallas tap. That's what I do. Well, you don't look at this, man. It's Goldberg. It is the height of, of bills rise. But I, 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 I think that. You know, you gave me Dusty's version. I don't know, man. DDP's baby face or a heel? DDP is a baby face. So it's a baby face match. Yep. At the height of Goldberg's popularity. Yep. I think switching the title would have backfired on him. Don't double cross me and tell me this is where they switch the title. No. Okay. I love that you don't even know that, but Kevin, I don't Kevin Nash would end the streak at Starcade two months later. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think that probably would hurt Dallas, man. In Goldberg. Like this right here. I think maybe, I don't know. And I wasn't watching, uh, you know, closely at this time. So. going back and revisionist history without doing it all. Um, so far, it's one of the best Goldberg matches I've ever seen. It is the best. I think it's the best one he ever had. Seriously. And I can't obviously I'm watching with the sound off cause I get yelled at if I watch it with the sound on. But, uh, is the crowd into this? Yeah, they're into it. I mean, you can see, you know, the, I mean, at this point they're not because they're doing front face locks, but you saw when they first hooked up, everybody's on their feet. And when they hit the hot spots, people react in a big way. Well, I think reacting anything, uh, after the Hulk and, and warrior matchup there, Oofa. When did Piper come back? Is this when Piper came back in this time frame? He came back two years prior to this, right? At the end. Oh shit! I'm a little off there, huh? It was uh, Hogan Savage at, at uh, Halloween Havoc '96, and at the end is when Piper would come back, and then it would be Piper Hogan at Starcade two months later, and then fast forward to uh, Halloween Havoc '97, and that was Hogan Piper in the weird Thunderdome style cage. It was like, uh way outside of the ring, sort of like the hell in a cell, but it didn't have a top on it. And it was bars instead of mesh. 
It was just weird. And you guys would joke about it on WWF TV and call it AIDS in the cage. And a year later, we're going with a youthful movement. So we've got DDP in the main event, uh, but against Goldberg. And these are two, two of their hottest acts. And I mean, it is a big moment for, uh, for both of these guys without question. Well, you know, again, going back and looking at it and, and watching page pages, uh, doing one hell of a job here. I guess he's going to do one hell of a job here in a minute. And the beautiful thing about it is Goldberg works like a heel. He Probably does. why he was babyface. One of the interesting pieces of creative that was suggested, I think one of the ideas for a potential finish with, um, with dusty was Goldberg would go for a spear and DDP would move and Goldberg in the corner and DDP would wind up, uh, being in the good fortunate spot of seeing Goldberg knock himself loopy when he ran headfirst into the pole and he comes out diamond cutter one, two, three. So if you, if his spear sort of worked against himself because he wound up spearing a pole and then he got a diamond cutter, you don't exact a flying head scissor from DDP. Can you believe that's real? Just happened. I saw it. And that was a fucking just stiff ass kick in, <laughs> into the chest. And there went that dive into the post. Yep. And man, he went fucking full force on that shit. Did he not? He did with everything. Yeah, this is true. It's a work bill. But why does DDP tape all of his fingers? Cause it looks cool, bro. Does it really? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he wants to avoid small joint manipulation. Okay. See, there you go. Yeah. Because the fatter joints usually are easier to handle. You're just going to let that one sit there, huh? Well, I thought you were going to talk about blue chew. <laughs> you want your joint to be a little fatter. You know. No, I was going back to the CBD. Oh, but, I got you. Ah, uh, see, fatter joints. In fairness, we should mention there is no THC in CBD. You will not oh, fail yeah. a drug test. I get that question all the time. Like a couple of weeks ago when I first had the uh, freeze at the office, because it's always been delivered to my house and I had some delivered to the office. Everybody was surrounding me and asking questions. And they're like, oh, we can't use this. What if we're drug tested? No. By the way, that just knocked Goldberg out, I think. For real? I think so. I might be wrong on that. No, no, no. It's when he spears him. When he spears him. Goldberg's going to get knocked out for real here in a spear. It's to drive his own right there. Goldberg's. Oh, shit. Goldberg's loopy as shit right now. You can see. He ran his own head wide open. Speared the fuck out of his own head. Yes. That hurt me watching it. Yeah. If he didn't have a giant fucking neck, he would have hurt himself many times over. But dude, that was real. Yeah, that hurt both of them. Here we go. Hey, fans, for you uh, keeping track at home, there's uh, roughly two minutes and nine seconds left. Or shit, no, there's more than that. 
Either way, we're close. We're at, we're at 3, 12, 58, 59, 313. He's picking him up for the jackhammer. And he no, can't, he's not. He can't do it. He's knocked himself loopy. He just can't do it. What's going to happen? That's small package him right now. Going to try one more time. Here we go. Tongue out. We're ready. Nope. Slips behind him and wham diamond cutter. Look at the crowd, dude. They're, they're conditioned for the diamond cutter. They're ready. Even the referee. Just count. You're not being paid to react. You're being paid to count. Please tell me we go off the air here and we don't get the finish of this. You mean right now you can't make it right now. Let me ask you, when you get done with this taping, what, what are you going to go do? That's so goddamn important. Well, I got a lot of shit to do. I've, since, since we have been taping this, I have roughly 47 emails. Since we've been taping this SmackDown already happened. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, SmackDown has already happened. All right. So you got to try some suplex. Can't get him muscles him up. And I mean, muscles him up. Wham. Jackhammer. There's your finish. One, two, three. Goldberg is your winner. Quite the main event. Listen, not the best show, but dude, that main event was hard hitting real legit shit. Was it not? That was ugly, but that was the best match on the show without question. And we hope that you guys dig what we did today. Cause uh, we didn't, this was fucking long <laughs> and challenging, but, uh, we're looking forward to being here with you next week. We're going to have the fabulous moolah as our topic. And uh, then we're going to try to circle in the wrestling classic in November. We'll be finished out with three count them three survivor series in a row. We'll hit 99. We'll hit 89. We'll hit 94, all the big anniversaries. We hope you're enjoying what we're doing. If you've got a question about any of those shows, as always, uh, you can hit us up on social media at Pritchard show. That's at Pritchard show. We want to thank our sponsors again, CBD MD, of course, WWE 2k, blue chew and solid gold. You can find out all about them over at SaveWithConrad.com. Click on the podcast button. You'll see something to wrestle. And there you'll see all of our sponsor information until next week. He's Bruce Pritchard. He's at Bruce Pritchard. I am at, <laughs> Hey, Hey, it's Conrad. And we are out of time. We'll see you next week right here on something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Shaka so this guy named Pashovia, I lunch with him. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.